We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. I just like the sound of it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the new era of Veterans Minimum. Lamb here in the host position, and I'm joined by a special guest, my guy. I feel like we recently connected, right? Us two? Yeah, I think, uh, like, has it been a year, maybe? It's- I, th- I think we've been following each other and for talking to each other for a while, because yeah. we're mutual friends with Jared and some of the other guys. Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. Shout out to Jared right now. He's over in, uh, he's in Abu he's Dhabi. A, he's in Abu Dhabi, yeah. Uh, Bilal, his roommate, and uh, Paul Felder fighting this weekend. For, uh, UFC 242. Yeah, so we've been homies for a while, and then like I think uh, the last UFC card we linked up. Yeah, we watched it over in, uh, in Astoria. Yeah, my guy Sergio, Sergio, what's good, man? Sergio da Silva, former Bellator fighter, used to fight in Bellator, right? Yeah, I fought a couple fights in Bellator. I fought a uh, CFFC, you know, a lot of the regional shows. Um, and I'm a local guy. I fought for CFFC quite a few times more than a handful of time probably 10 times ring of combat ces all that the good local shows and then uh, i got to fight on the bell tour first new york city card at madison square garden which was a dream come true hell yeah being uh like we were talking before we you know just vibing before we started recording how you're a nick fan right don't bring that up man come on you're trying to get people Bro, look at to, the hat man try, look, look at the get, hat the hat right there you're trying to get listeners or no you're trying to get people <laughs> to shut off the station they know they know that we've been uh We've been struggling for many, many years, and they know the love that we have for the Knicks. But, yo, man, that must have been dope, right? Because yeah. you know what's crazy? And I told you about this recently, too, how I actually went to that card. Yeah, That yeah. was Pico's first card, yeah, first fight, and he was like the super-duper hype train yep. coming in. 
And then I remember my buddy boss, he's like, bro, Serge fought on that card. I was like, for real? He's like, yeah, dude. He's like, Sergio fought on that card. Yeah, How yeah. was that as just like a New York kid? Because that's, that's really the Mecca. Honestly, there you go. You just said it right there. You took the words out of my mouth. The Mecca. Um, I did an interview for the Daily News, I believe. No, News. It was Newsday. And it's like, you know, it might sound cliche. It might sound cheesy. But as a kid, and, you know, this is something Connor brings up a lot. And he always talks about in, uh, visualizing things and, like, visualizing before it happens. And I swear to God, man, I knew that one day I'd be at the Garden. Now, those who don't know me physically, I just never grew. I played ball for a very long time. Um, I I figured that I'd make it one day. Like every kid, you know, make it right, to the yeah, NBA. Yeah, yeah. I just never grew. I stopped growing after I hit five feet tall. And um, I always told my mom, like, you know, one day I'm going to be at the guard. I'm going to be at the guard. And so to make it there as a fighter was something I didn't expect. Um, but it was, it was something I can't even describe. When I was walking out, uh, first of all, the weigh-ins a lot mm. of people you know i'm surprised people didn't make a bigger deal about this but we got to weigh in on the same scale that ali and frazier did that's dope i mean that that i have the pictures on you know that right there just getting on the scale and my son walked out with me for the weigh-ins too which was also a very and being that i'm a local guy i'm from new york a lot of people who don't know um you know i don't know if a lot of people followed the the mma uh, and know about it was illegal in New York for a very it long was, time. It was, yeah. It's just got legalized. What has it been? What three years? Maybe I want to say three years. I want to say it was. Um, I know there was a big card. UFC had a big card. I think Connor fought on. No, on no. Oh, did he? Yeah, I think Connor. Uh, yeah, that's uh, right. Connor uh, fought on that MSG card. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, was it? Uh, I don't remember. Anyways, but GSP had fought in New York because I remember that. Yeah, card. he did. He fight Bisbee in New York. Yeah, from, yeah. I yeah. think that was, and it. then that was Cody and Dillashaw won. I th- was. Probably. I mean, I, I can't remember. But anyways, what I'm trying to get to is that I thought I was going to finish my career and not be able to f- legally fight in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I hope I'm not getting myself in trouble here. But I fought on the underground in New York before I was a professional MMA fighter. Um, but yeah. I feel like a lot of people did that. Yeah, thing. yeah, a lot of guys did. Um, I think uh, you know Eddie Alvarez' nickname is the Underground King. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's a lot of guys. My boy Ryan LaFleur, former UFC, who recently retired. Um, he. I hope I'm not writing him out, but <laughs> he fought underground. So legally with the sanctioned body, I, I thought I was going to retire and not fight MMA in New York. And when I got the call to fight for Bellator, I was, I was obviously that was a no-brainer. I'd fight anyone, like literally, uh, to get the chance to fight. at. The, and then at the Garden, you know, walking through the tunnel when they call my name and I'm walking by, I swear to God, man, I'm looking to the side. There's like posters of Patrick Ewing, Michael Jordan, Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson. And I'm like, holy shit, you know, like, wow, I'm really making the walk to the cage. Like, that was such a, a, a you know, it's it's so, so hard to describe. I mean, we'd be here for days if I try to explain what, what the feeling was like. But just like I looked up and it, I, it was crazy, the lights and. And my picture and name on the on the on the big screen, and I'm walking out, and I'm like, holy shit, I'm fighting at Madison Square Garden. Uh, it's pretty pretty amazing. And uh, you know, uh, Fedor was on that car. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chael Sonnen was on that car. Uh, Vanderlei Silva was on. There. I mean, it's just like, damn. I'm like, I'm weighing in with these guys. I'm in the backstage, and we're just shooting the shit. And I'm like, holy shit. Like these are guys that I've been watching. These all are these guys years. that I've known. Yeah, and not only that, we're at Madison Square Garden. Like, is this really happening? Yeah. And like, it's, it's just the. I'm blessed. I tell people all the time. That's pinned on my tweet, you know, my Twitter is that like, you know, I, a lot of people say like, you know, anything is possible. And, and I visualized as a kid and, and I followed my dream and I was able to perform in Madison Square Garden. When did you start fighting? Well, uh, again, legally, 
2009 professionally, I believe, was my first fight. So 10 years, man. And that was something you always wanted to do? Just No, not really. To me, I believe it or not, now we're going to go back to this dirtbag. We're going to talk about Jared Gordon. <laughs> Shout out that guy, Jared. A lot of he, which is in the UFC, who's in the UFC right now. I mean, that that's one of the guys that I always tell people, like one of the most underrated guys. Even before he got into the UFC, I was always talking about this kid. One of our, uh, so we've done, if you go to the archives of our show history, yeah. that we've had him on twice. One was the road to the UFC. Yeah. And then the other one was because he was still fighting at CFFC that you mentioned. Correct. And you know, yo, not for nothing, CFFC has produced some. Oh, you be- kidding like, me, bro? They, the list goes all, on just and off on. the top of the head, Aljamain Sterling, who I fought, is probably going to fight for the title next. Yep. He's he's top three in the world. Um, he was their champ. Jimmy Rivera, UFC. Mm-hmm. Shane Burgos, beast in the UFC. And these are not they're not just sending guys to the UFC. A lot of local promotion send guys to the UFC. They and then it's like a one-off, right? Like one they need or two a, fights because what happens is they pad their record. Uh-huh. This is what I say about CFFC. There is no easy fights there, top to bottom. Every fight is straight killers. And what happens is these guys are prepared. So when they get, they could be UFC fights in CFFC. I'll give you a perfect example. Lyman, uh, Jonathan Webb, who you brought up. Yeah. You, know, yeah. you guys went to watch him. CFFC. He fought Lyman Good on CFFC. Both guys ended up going to the UFC. Right. You know, so they have a lot of guys who not only make it to the UFC, but like do very well in the UFC. Yeah, and even Anthony Smith, like and, most oh, notably, Anthony Smith like fought he, for the belt. Yeah. Uh, uh, blonde fighter who's a friend of mine, Kayla Chukogan. Um, she's gonna fight for the belt soon. Like I said, Aljamain Sterling, Jared Gordon. I'm sure I'm forgetting guys. Jimmy Rivera, Julio Arce. Felder too. For no. Them. Didn't Paul Felder, Felder was the yeah. champ. Shit, we're gonna Lyman talk about Felder Good, in a little bit. Lyman yeah. Good. Um, no, nah, it's it's. They're also on ESPN. Um, no, not ESPN. The UFC Fight Pass. Yeah, too. the UFC Fight Pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they're great, great, promo- great promotion. But back to uh, to answer your question about how if I knew I was going to be a fighter, nah, man, this was an a- kind of like an accident. I've been in martial arts since I was four years old, so I, I've always I was in Taekwondo, Judo, boxing, all that other stuff. But I actually stumbled upon this gym, and this is where me- where I met Jared Gordon, which was the old Rhino gym. Which Frankie Edgar was his mm. first gym, but not in Queens. He was in out in Jersey. Uh, long story short, I walked in the gym one day and I was like, you know what? Let me try this uh, boxing class or something. And I started doing jujitsu. And then I saw this young, young knucklehead kid who at the time was Mr. Gordon. <laughs> and um, he, we also need to mention you guys are like best friends too. Oh so yeah, I love like, that. I love that kid to death. If you like, if you he's, follow, he's literally my brother. Yeah, if you guys well at the end we'll give your social media and whatnot. I mean shit, you can give it now too. If you just go and follow Serge, you'll see him and Jared always go back and forth and just yeah, like cut each other's ass. We just, went, we just went today actually. Went yeah. back Anyways, he was the champ. He was I think Jared was probably eighteen years old and he was an amateur champ, maybe twenty or nineteen, something. Yeah, very young kid. And I remember training with him for a long time and going with him. And I'm like, and I'm not even kidding. Not this, this, I'm not talking shit. I'm like, if this knucklehead is a champ in MMA, then I'm chilling. I I can do okay. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not saying I was kicking his ass. I'm going to send he, him this cell no, 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 no. Listen, I'm not saying I was kicking his ass, but we were, I was able to go with him. Right. And I'm like, look, if I'm going with him and he's beating everybody up, why can't I compete with these guys? So I remember a promoter hit me up. I was like, hey, do you want to take this amateur fight? And I knew no, I knew very little about wrestling and grappling, and I I remember I knocked the guy down really early, who I later found out ended up being like an all American wrestler or something, and then he won a decision, which then led me to say, okay, I need to learn my ground game. I mm-hmm. went to you know to this to train, at a really highly touted school in the city, and I uh, got my black belt in jujitsu, and the rest is history. Damn, black belt in jujitsu, huh? Uh yeah. 
Yo, so many. So my buddy Eric now he rolls and uh, he's like all in on this thing with the with his gi. Eric's the man. He he, Eric, he, man. he brought his gi to Miami. We were in <laughs> Miami for a bachelor party and he just goes into his room and just whips it out. Like, yeah, out of yeah. Just, but jujitsu is very addicting. I tell people if you don't never train jujitsu and you take one class and you go and you train with the right person, you're gonna be hooked, man. I mean, from the day I stepped on the mats, I, I never looked back. So it's a great, great form of martial art. And I, I mean, I know people have the thoughts that like, oh, this karate kid mentality because they see the gi. A lot of people don't like the gi. But, man, it's it's something really, really hard to like not love once you try it. If you were to, so like say, would you want your kid to fight? No. No, right? Especially after, uh, what's his name, Mike Trout got half a billion dollars to play baseball. <laughs> That's a fact. A hundred percent. I would not. My son is a Muay Thai champ and trained Muay Thai since he was four years old and plays literally every sport, basketball, soccer, baseball. He, if I can pick, why would I want my son to, to go through what fight? If that's what he wants to do, I'm going to support him. He could be a, right, he right. could be a sanitation worker. Nothing wrong with that. Um, shout out to all the sanitation workers. I have a lot of friends there. He can do whatever he is. People who follow me know I'm very supportive to my kids, whatever they want to do. Um, so to answer your question, would I, if I had to choose, no, I don't want my son to be a fighter. I don't want him to have to cut weight. I don't want him to get punched in the face. I don't want him to have to, you know, it's a very, very uh, taxing sport on mm. your body physically, mentally too, man. It's very draining. People, that part, people don't look at it, you know, is the highest of the highs and the lowest of the lows. I want to, I want to, the, the original thought to me asking that question is if you were to get your kid, well, like you said, he does Muay Thai now. Yeah. So like he might be a bad example because he's already learned a certain craft, yeah. but I'm saying he wants to learn jujitsu. I haven't taught the, my, my thought process is this, and I could be completely wrong here. And what, this is the way I look at it is I'm again, not trying to toot my own horn. I'm black belt in Brazilian jujitsu by far. It's my best uh, martial arts that I know. If I can get him really good at something where I'm not really good, mm -hmm. when he's sharp there, then I can bring him over to me and say, hey, now let me show you a thing or two. Right. You got what I'm saying? Yeah. As opposed to getting him really good where I'm at, and now he's not a good striker. I'd rather him be an excellent striker because I know what I can do with him on the ground with grappling. Right. So what well, well, my thinking was, if, if someone wants to fight for the first time, like say someone's listening right now, and they want to get into MMA, what's the one thing you think is you would, the direction you would yep. push them to fight? Okay. Because like I always if hear you ask people me this, say. If, no, I know what you're going to say because this is the traditional one. You're going to say wrestling. Yeah. That's what I always like. Joe, the Joe Rogan. Like, no, 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 no. That's what everyone says. And this is where it's going to start changing now. I used to say it was wrestling. Mm -hmm. I used to think wrestling was the most important. And what I'm going to say is not a martial art. You know, it's the most important thing I would say for someone off the street has nothing. And again, I'm going to touch back on Jared. I think this is his biggest strength. And you know who has it too? I'll give you a hint. Nate Diaz. It's not a martial art. Is it cardio? There you go. Bingo. Cardio. If I'm building a character right now, this is what this is the question you asked me, right? If I'm building a a, a, a fighter right now, a perfect fighter, right? We're playing a UFC game and we want to be... Like you could be the top of the food chain anything, in this one thing. Cardio. You say cardio? Hands down, not even close. Not even like like it's cardio first, then cardio second, then cardio third, all the way to tenth. Then at tenth I'd put wrestling. Wow. I'd put cardio. I mean, yo, yeah, it makes sense. If you just don't gas Listen, out. Listen, I've been like in fights, man. I've been in fights where I'm ten times better than a guy and I've lost because I gassed out. So 
cardio. If you watch the way, again, I hate to bring him up because he's a personal friend of mine. I might sound biased. If you watch the way Jared fights. No, nah, that's one of pressure, his biggest pressure, pressure, pressure fighters. Pressure, yeah. Cardio, cardio. If you're tired, bro, the worst feeling in the world. I've been in fights where literally my hands couldn't come up to my face. I couldn't protect myself. And I would look across the cage in between rounds and the guy was jumping up and down like a popcorn. Dude, I remember Jared's first fight. I think after like the second round, he started like running around the cage. Bro, do you know what guy it is? Just, to, to, uh, no, he actually, I think he got a stop in the in his in his first. Yeah, fight. I know it wasn't his first. You're talking about his second fight against Hacker and Diaz in Brazil. Yeah, and Hacker and Diaz was cornered by a friend of mine who was Jose Aldo, and Jose Aldo picked him up off the floor in between second and third. Yeah, round. yeah, because we all thought the, he should have been in stoppage. Yes, Hacker and Diaz cuts a lot of weight, which is one of the biggest mistakes I've done too. What's the biggest weight cut you've done? Oh, you kidding me, bro? I was known for notorious weight cuts. I cut 25. Jared and I, man. I cut 25 pounds in 24 hours. (laughs) Yo, how is that possible? Oh, my God, bro. It's the worst feeling in the world. I've missed weight a lot of times. Not a lot. I'd say a couple times, you know. Um, But God damn, 25 pounds. Bro, when I used to fight at 125 pounds, I weigh in at 126 pounds because I take the pound allowance. Butt naked, no towel, nothing. Because like every ounce counted for me. Right. Twelve hours later, I was 150 pounds. Jesus Christ! Is that what you would walk around at? 155. 150, 150. And I'd be 155 the next day, if not maybe a little heavier, close to one. Yo, why do they make you do that? Well, here's the thing, because you're not supposed to do what the wrestlers started doing it and create an advantage. See, weight cutting to me is outdated because everyone knows how to do it for the most part now. So before you did have an advantage, right? Because if I'm fighting you and you weigh, you walk around at 125 and we're fighting at 125 and I'm really a 155-er. You have more strength. I, if I know how to cut to 125 right. and you're not cutting anyway, by the time we step in, I'm 155, you're 125. I'm going to get out of positions that are not even the right way to do it just based on proof strength. Right. So Which makes sense. Yes. So, but now everyone does it. So, what happens is everyone's cutting, and then we all regain the weight back. So, at the end, we both step in at one fifty-five. What was the point of cutting down to twenty-five? Why don't we just agree to fight one fifty-five? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. Yeah, because so, I, I, dude, you see these weight cuts, and it's oh, they're brutal, man. I've, I've almost died. Like literally, I've almost died cutting weight. So, what's like the pro? Like, yo, twenty-four, like twenty-four hours is crazy. Crazy. So, like, what do you not eat? Do you just drink water? Like, oh man, there's such a long process. We could go, we can do a whole show on this. I mean, something called hyperhydration. Who, everyone who's listening to this, you could just do a simple Google search on this where you drink like a ridiculous amount of water. There's a, a, a hormone in your body that secretes the water and it sends a signal to your body and says, you know what? He's water loading. He has too much water. Let's get rid of it. So what you do is five days before the fight, you drink excessive water. Let's say two and a half gallons or two gallons, three gallons, whatever. Different guys like do different amounts of water. And what you do is you start tapering down closer to the fight. So five days out, I'll have two gallons. Four days out, I'll have a gallon and a half. Three days out, I'll have a gallon. These are not the exact numbers I'm giving you. Right, I'm just yeah, giving just, an example. Just a rough estimate. Two days before the fight, let's say I have half a gallon. And 24 hours before the fight, you don't have anything. So what happens is your body is still under the assumption that you're drinking two gallons. So what does it do? It starts peeing out all that water. You start excreting more water. You're like, oh, this guy's putting in water. Let's get rid of the, what we have because there's more coming in. When you don't bring in more water, you're lighter. So is that why the moment they step off that scale, they're just like bingo, asking for something to drink? Yep, yep. Ah, damn. It's it's really something. And it goes back to what you said earlier. Do I want my son doing that? Absolutely yeah, not. Yeah, you don't want to. I've had some. I've blacked out in saunas. I've... 
I've seen had some scary situations, man. I've had guys literally faint inside of a bathtub. We cook each other in a bathtub, man. You ever see that one? Yeah, I've seen videos of like, yo, I go on. I'm kind of a weird dude when it comes to YouTube. Yeah. Like, I'll <laughs> my new thing now. My friends make fun of me is I'm fascinated by gender reveals. Yeah. I don't know why. Like, when the fuck did that? You know, bro. Uh, I have hold on, no, am I allowed to curse on yeah, this guy? Yeah, I've, I've yeah, already, we, have the, we have the E on the podcast, so feel free. Go, nice. go wild. I dropped like four f bombs, and I just started asking. <laughs> so, when the fuck did this gender reveal become a thing? I don't remember as a kid when there was a gender. Nah, nah, nah right? That's something. Yo, this is this is all social media. Like. Yeah, right. Gender reveal. And there's something out. There's one more thing. I can't remember what it is. That's now it's like the new norm that I always see. I mean, there's always like those dumb challenges. Like yeah, like the Tide Pods, and then yeah, like the bottle yeah. cap challenge, and you have like you know, well, the ice bucket challenge was a good cause. So I can't even like talk talk crap about that one. But I think it's all social media, just to, like yo, and yo, they get more and more ridiculous. Like I watched one the other day where. Some girl had it. They had the dude set up in like a dunk tank. All right. No, and that's not the one and she was throwing footballs to try to hit the thing. And yeah. then when he went in, it all Lights, like the yeah. confetti was blue and shit. It's like, yo, it's crazy. So yeah, they, they, they're, it's going nuts. I think it must have started with just like cutting a cake. And then and then you saw like the I, I inside know, of the cake. Man. But, but yo, now here's the question. Who do they already know? So I'm sure it's set up where like obviously the wife knows. Or okay. the, or yeah, because sometimes the guy knows. the guy looks surprised, like, "Oh, I'm having a boy." And I'm yeah, like, so it's they they do it for everyone else, or they'll do it for a lot of times for like the the husband or the father to the kid. So that's why like they'll cut the cake and then you know because the wife obviously knows, yeah, knows. Or, or, or the woman obviously knows. So yo, going back to how we even got into talking about gender reveals for two minutes, y'all go on YouTube. <laughs> and just like, I go down this like weird ass rabbit hole where yeah, I start, YouTube like, is weird because it it'll play the next video. It's like they know what you want to watch yeah, next. Like, yeah, because it's it relates to all the shit that you've been watching, right? Yeah. So like with me, like I pick on a song, and then it's like the next like five songs that I would want to yeah. hear. It's like all the songs that I usually hear. Yeah. So like I'll go down a rabbit hole of gender reveals, uh, guys and w- men and women coming back from military. I never watched that, bro. Don't watch those. Oh yeah, yo, you'll cry. Wait, wait, which one? Like, I see like with kids, like the surprise so, kids. So when they, yeah, when when, yeah, when okay. the mom and dad comes back and it's like oh yeah, no, those I, I like, those. especially I got two kids, you know, and I'm very involved in my kids' life. So when I see those, like, you'll see a kid at like a soccer game and then he'll score a goal and then he's celebrating and then like you'll see a parent running towards him and I'm like, who's that weird guy? And then then like on the bottom they'll be like, oh, that guy just came from a tour in Iraq, yeah, 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 and he's hugging his son and. Those, or it's you know. like, or it's like the football captain is giving roses to his mom, and he don't know that the yeah. one referee is dressed up as his dad. Yeah. So, dude, I I went and I watched this one video of Cyborg was literally like crying in a bathroom. Oh yeah, I watched that one with yeah. like her, and and then I just went like, yo, top. If you put like top in front of anything, you could find any video yeah, you yeah. want. And it was just like top ten worst weight cuts, and like Rockhold was up there too. And I've got to meet Luke Rockhold. Yeah. That dude. No, 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 you know who, and I've met. I've met probably I've helped Jose Aldo cut weight for his when he was still in the WEC. Nobody even knew him. He had big weight cuts, which is why I I do not know. I don't know if you saw the article. They're talking about him coming down to one thirty five. Yeah, there's no way in hell he's gonna make one thirty five. That's deep, bro. He's not making it. I'm telling you. He like, was, yo, Max has a big ass weight. The older you get, the harder it becomes. So it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. He couldn't do it when he was younger, whatever. But anyways. I've I've cut weight with a lot of guys. I've helped a lot of guys cut weight. I've seen a lot of guys. I've been in saunas with different guys at very you know at the top level. You know who I always talk about is a good friend of mine, and there's nobody that cuts weight like this guy. Hmm. 
lineman good UFC welterweight yeah. Tiger Showman no 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 I've seen this dude cut 17 pounds in a matter of like four hours think about that four hours not 24 hours people people wanted to get right for these last couple of days of summer probably bro and he <laughs> does it Google. And he does it he's first of all he's one of the most kindest nicest guy I've known in person if you look at him he looks like a straight his nickname is cyborg too he looks like a straight up killer yo he does it with a straight face I'm sitting in the sauna I gotta cut the last two or three pounds and I'm crying in the sauna you know like cyborg this dude is, I'm like, yo, Lime, how many, how much you got? He's like, oh, I got like 18. And he's just smiling, like nothing. Like, he's just like, eh, like it's no big deal. Bro, this is one of the reasons why there's no athlete I respect more than UFC, like MMA fighters Oh, yeah, forget, no, no, I'm super biased towards this. But I also have, I'm friends with a couple of guys. Um, I don't want to throw anyone's name in there, but I got a couple of guys in the NBA who I'm friends with, former NBA players, um, soccer players. And I used to train with a guy, and he was actually an all NBA all-star. And he came up to me one time. He was training with us in the off season, and he goes, uh, "Yo, Serge, I've been around a lot of athletes, and you guys come in first. And it's, it's not even an, he's like, yo, and it's not even a close second. He's like, we complain if we have two workouts in a day. You guys are doing two or three every day. Yeah, yeah. And, and and don't and keep in mind too. Again, not to sound biased, we don't get. Paid. I'm on your side, bro. Yeah, so we don't not- we don't get paid. Here's the thing: we're the only sport where if we don't fight, we don't get paid, right? Yeah. LeBron James can practice. Right, and he can sit out a game. We can sit out two, three, four, five games, and he, his salary won't change. Correct? Right. Yeah. We don't fight. We don't get paid. We get injured. We don't get paid. So think about that. Imagine you—you got, you, you got incentive to win too, because there's a win. That's bonus a double. And yeah. Then, and then no, but think about this: you train, you train for three or four months, maybe right. two months, whatever, for your fight, right? And I don't know. You pull a muscle. You got to pull out of the fight. Do you realize how many MMA fighters don't pull out of fights? And then people. This is what pay, pisses me off, especially about casual fans. I know exactly where they you're going to They complain about guys the making... They boo. First of all, they boo. Never boo a fighter, man. That, that, that's the most disrespectful shit. Unless he's a total douchebag. Yeah, but during the fight, when he's actually fighting, though, you have no clue what it takes to get in there. Right? Like, yeah, fans, they pay their ticket. They're able to do whatever they want. However, what I'm trying to say is a guy loses sometime, right? And he's like, yeah, you know, I shouldn't have fought. I, I heard my, you know, I tore my AC. I've seen guys with torn ACLs fight. Right? I fought my entire career with a torn bicep. If you look at my, you know, and guys are like, then why do you fight? Well, you fight because if you've been training for two or three months, right? And you're waiting for this payday, you don't fight. Guess what happens? You don't get paid, right? If it was like, okay, you're not fighting, but we're still going to cut you the check. Don't worry about it. Get better. And you'll fight at the end of the year or whatever. Trust me, a lot of guys would have pulled out. Right, if Saquon Barkley can't play this weekend, right? I, I know you're a big Giants fan, so I don't want to. There's I don't no wanna... chance for them to win. <laughs> you get what I'm saying? Nah, yeah, I feel you. But but guess what? If he's they're gonna they're gonna preserve him for the rest of the season. Right. What are they gonna do? They're yeah. gonna sit him out. Sit him out, and he'll still get his check. He'll yeah. still get his check. Right now, if you go, hey Saquon, if you don't play, you're not gonna get the check. Guess what? He's I get. He's playing. A lot oh, of yeah. guys are gonna play. Yeah, without a doubt. You know, so there's a lot of guys right now in the UFC who don't say anything, don't fight because they need to get paid, man. Well, one of the reasons why I think there's an issue with the NFL, like in particular, is because these guys they don't play, they don't have guaranteed contracts. So when you're a sixth round pick and you're the linebacker and you just made the roster and you're getting paid like punter money, not even you're making like five hundred thousand, you're basically on a rookie yeah. minimum. 
and like you got a stinger or some shit and you stepped <laughs> in because like someone got hurt. You gotta right? go, man. You you're like, yo, shoot me up with something. Yeah. Like I gotta make the roster. I gotta yeah. keep paying because I'm making okay, fifty thousand dollars a check. And now you're talking about a guy who's in the NFL, right? Who's making that man, MMA fighters are so underpaid. Yeah. That is disgusting. I mean, that's even, the top yo, even if you think about it, like the top, like even the yeah. big names are yeah. underpaid. Other than McGregor. Right. right. Other than John Jones, other than Anderson Silva, like those guys, right? Who are like the Michael Jordan of the sport, right? right. Who are like they're legends. They're yeah. legends. They're yeah. literally all time Hall of Famers. Those guys other than them, even like top level guys in the division, they're not making money, man. People are under so like they're so they have no idea, man. Yo, so these uh the the whole the whole process of weight cuts and just just in general, it's just it's just too wild to me, man. Not easy, man. Definitely something that I, I, that's one thing I don't miss, especially, and everybody who knows me knows my favorite food is pizza, bro. Yo, me too. By far. My number one pick. If I can eat pizza with no, yeah. All right, so top three pizza right now off the top of the head. Let's go. Am I, am I picking like the, the chain or just like topping? Um, just the chain. Man, I kind of like Domino's. Oh, no, no. Hold on. I'll take that back. Being in New York, I can't go. I don't. I don't need chain pizza, but if I had to, I would. I agree with you. I'd yeah. If as far as a slice goes, my number one draft pick, no questions asked, is pepperoni. No, but which pizzeria? So in Astoria, cheap plug. I doesn't got, have. Doesn't have to be. Doesn't have to be. Yeah, I like Alba's. Uh, num. That, so give me a top three pizzerias, all of New York City. Man, I really don't know many names. I think, is is one called oh, boy. Carmine's, I think? Or, no, is that it? No, there, there's Carmine's one in the, a restaurant. In the, in the Lower East Side, that's really good. It's like a brick oven spot. Lower East Side. There's a good place out. It's Mario's in uh, Oyster Bay. That's yeah. a good one, too. I haven't been out here, no. But damn, man, you're leaving a lot of gems so out there. So tell me, put me on. All right, number one, and I recently, a good friend of mine told me about this place, and they, they just, just surpassed. I have two categories when it comes to pizza, all right? We have a sit-down place where you're going to have a nice fancy pie. Right. And then you have a grab-and-go New York slice. Right, yeah, yeah. Hole in the I'm wall. in a rush. I got to get out of here. So let's talk about that, and we'll leave the sit-and-go for somewhere else. All right. Place out in uh, Whitestone, right off the... What's that? Uh, cross, is that Cross Island? Cross Island, yeah. DMV? Yep. Amore. Amore. Okay. All right. I'm taking notes. Everyone listening, if you, you go guys to, if you go to Queens. People know. People who know pizza will know Amore, man. Right off that. Right off the exit on uh, White. What is that? Whitestone Expressway. Yeah. That's place used to be for me number one. Joe's. Joe's on, on Carmine Street in the city. So that's what it was. Because I said Carmine's, but oh, that was the Joe, street. Joe's. Joe's. Yeah, yeah. Joe's. That's, that used to be number one. That's yeah. the one that's on Spider-Man, Sex and City. Yep, yep. Everyone knows that. Open till 4 a.m. That's like the super generic Generic place New York. Where, yes. Yeah. yeah. If someone never had a New York slice and you want to right. go. Yeah. You but, to yo, there. you got to go to Mori. Put that down. Amore. If you haven't been to Amore, that's the spot. But what's your go-to slice? Amore, man. But no, nah, I mean like the topping. Like oh, I well, this is what I tell people: if you've never been somewhere, you gotta have their plane so you can see what they're working with mm. first. But yeah, pepperoni. I would have to say I, I like I like I like believe it or not, I like olives, bro. I like olives, olives on onions. pizza. Yeah, you never had olives on pizza. Olives, onions, green pepper. Uh, onions and green pepper. I've had not olives. You though. haven't had black olives on uh, pizza, bro. Uh. Nah, that's good. <laughs> it's a Brazilian thing, maybe. Okay, what about pineapple? What, what do you oh, say in that conversation? Because that could be its own listen, podcast. People, who, people who who follow me on Twitter always see me complain about this. 
And it's like, God punish me, man. The pizza gods punish me because that's my daughter's favorite, man. Pineapple. Yeah. I feel offended. People put pineapple on pizza. And but then, you can't say nothing to the princess, uh, right? I fucking <laughs> hate that shit, man. Yo, that's hysterical. That's so funny. But, dude, I, you know, the main reason why I really brought you on here is, you know, we got a big, big card. And our audience knows that we love talking MMA. 232 uh, coming up. Abu Dhabi. Kind of a weird start time, middle of the day, too. Yeah, I think because the, uh, the yeah, time yeah, difference. The time difference. You like that, though? Because we just had the China card. And uh, it was that like China, s- no, that China card was horrible. I fucked up my whole sleep. I man. know, man. It was awful. I had to wake up at like 4 in the morning. I was like, and they man, just feel, I don't I like those China, do those Asian uh, cards that they put in like Russian. and Because what they do is they just fill them with guys who are just from over there that have no business being in the USC, man. Yeah, they do that because they want to ex- expand, make it a more global nah. enterprise. Yeah, but whatnot. at least look for the better guys. I mean, damn. Yeah, it gets well for me. It's because I play DraftKings every week. Yeah, I love so, DraftKings. So well, with MMA, I feel like that's where I found a nice little. I found a nice little lean. <laughs> with a, oh yeah, yeah, let's not let's not put too many <laughs> yeah, people make on. Make it hot. No, nah, but yo, you, you know what's crazy and why MMA DraftKings I really enjoyed is because a lot of these dudes that play like baseball, yeah, uh, NBA, NFL. They can't. They can't come on a podcast and talk about the sport. No, I've gotten to interact with some of them, and my buddy Danny that I do the DFS show on my other on my other podcast. We do like a DFS Fridays where we kind of like run through the plays of the week and whatnot. And we've gone to live finals and we've gone to like networking events and like these guys. They just have these formulas on Excel, and they just punch in names and numbers and then whatever they give them. You know? Yeah, you know what's crazy? You bring that up. I, I I we were talking about this off air. A friend of mine who recently just won a nice pot on, uh, what was it, DraftKings or FanDuel? I don't remember which one. He was telling me that his brother has an app. I didn't even know they had apps. So he just punches in a few things, and they generate yep. a lineup for you. They're called I never, optimal lineups. I never se. knew that, man. I've been, I've been I, honestly, I, I did really well on uh, DraftKings with the soccer, with the World Cup. I'm a big soccer fan. I do okay with the MMA stuff. But, like, I take pride in actually doing my homework and so that's that's how i've sort of built my brand and my show where you yeah, know like i don't enter twenty five thousand dollars a weekend like these yeah. guys do and they mass enter contests like yeah, i yeah. like sticking my lane is single entries it's like you got to put your best foot forward right it levels the playing field against the guys with the big bankrolls yeah, yeah. and also not for nothing everyone's bankroll is different when you play in bigger stakes your score isn't required to be so exactly, ridiculous exactly you know? yeah. so like where where 160 points might, might win you a you contest in a smaller contest, yeah. In in like a fifty dollar pool with maybe two hundred people in the Millie Maker, that shit yeah, is not, not you, you might nothing. not even place. You yeah, know? you're right. You're so right. it's such a big wide range of outcomes. But with MMA, it's like, in the end of the day, it's also fighting. It's fighting. That's you know? that's why MMA DraftKings is the best one because yo, you really can't and, and you know. Using the dude, fact- remember when we first met that night? That dude was like ninety six hundred. He was the most expensive fighter. Yeah, what, was, was, what was it? A Donovan Smith or Don? Smith? Kamal versus Kamal or something. The guy he came in out, on like four days, four days notice, notice and knocked out, out the. And the he was also heaviest favorite. Yeah, he was, he was the like heaviest favorite. minus twelve hundred. Yeah, yeah. In the end of the day, man, it's fighting. It's like, fighting. That's that's the thing. Like, you know, if you're going to put, like, you know, you're going to put uh, NBA one, right? You know, and you got LeBron James. All right. He might not have his best night, but he's going to give you 20 and 10. Right. You know what I'm saying? He's yeah. Minimum. You put Andrew Luck, which, oh, man. I, I went there, huh? Bro, why'd you go there, man? You know exactly, that's my guy, right? Exactly. <laughs> uh, well, you know, you put a guy like, uh, what's his name that's playing tonight? Aaron Rodgers. 
that's not gonna separate you from everyone. People yeah. who don't even know what they're doing are gonna put it's gonna put it right, right, on, yeah. you know. So I think that fighting, you just never know, which makes it actually funner because you're watching the fights and you're like, yo, four ounce gloves, anyone can knock anyone out. Like there is no guarantee. Like yeah, all right, this guy's favorite, but is he a guarantee? No, no one is. So how do you feel about this main event, man? Khabib. It's Everyone funny you say that because I Poirier. just I tweeted that yesterday, right? I said, don't get me wrong, Khabib is a beast, right? However. I love the however already because I'm all in on Dustin, man. However, That's my guy. Dustin can, I know like we just said, anyone can beat anyone, but Dustin's not a slouch, man. Here's the thing that people are leaving out, and we, we were just talking about the weight cut earlier, mm-hmm. right? Khabib has a very hard time making 55, yeah. right? He's had history of not making this, going back to the hospital. People forget that Dustin used to be a 45er, right? So he moved up. The weight cut's better. He's had better fights at 55. His losses have been to top-level competition. He's lost to Connor. I believe he lost to Holloway. Did Poirier lose to Holloway, I believe? Um, He's... He's not f as as heavy as an underdog as people are making him out to be, man. Like if he beat Khabib, which I can see happening, he's not. I'm not gonna be shocked, you know. Like people are making it look like it's like, oh yeah, this is gonna be a walk in the park, and I think it's gonna be one of those classics, striker versus wrestling, where Khabib is gonna try to take. But if Poirier can stop the takedown, then what? Now Khabib has to stand up. And I think he's in big trouble. He's lost to. Top, top guys. Yeah, he's lost to Cub Swanson. At, his, at 45. Yeah, and that was... That's, you know, what this, I, that's, that's not point. the Cub that we got now. He lost to Connor. Okay, 45. Michael Johnson. 40, uh, was that 45 or 55? Might have been 45 as well. Yeah, and then it seems like from Jim Miller on, he moved up to yeah, 155. Yeah, Jim Miller 55. Yeah. So how? So he's undefeated at 55. And, I'm and yo, look, he got some... Like, he beat Pettis. He beat Jim Miller. He yeah. beat... Gaethje, yeah. Alvarez, yeah. Max, like yeah. he's not beating bums. No, you know? no, these are the top of the food yeah. chain, also. So that that that's what I'm trying to say. Like people are making Dustin into a bigger uh, underdog than he really needs to be. I think Dustin has a legit shot. If my life was on it, I'd probably take Khabib. But if I'm taking a gamble, I can see. I like the payout for Poirier. Yeah, I also think just like. You know, Khabib sometimes, I feel... I'm not taking Khabib at minus 430 ever. Yeah. He's just not that guy. Yeah, but I also think, like, just just Poirier, his fighting style is just so, like, his stand-up is really good. Yeah. And, like, we haven't really seen Khabib get tested. No, like, Al, well, you know, raging Al, kind of, like... Here's the thing. And also, Khabib got caught against the guy you just brought up, Michael Johnson. Mm. And he was wobbly. He almost got knocked out. I think Poirier has a lot more power than uh, Michael Johnson. Right. So... Um, I can see it's going to come down to can Poirier stop his takedown early in the fight. And if he does, Khabib is in for a long fight. Here's the thing, too. Khabib um, Khabib is not going to ever... He's never been really in, in deep waters in terms of, like, late in a fight where he's at losing. So I want to see how Khabib is... You know, it's usually like he's able to take the guy down, beat up the guy. Second round comes out, he takes the guy down, beats up the guy, third round. What happens if he can't take Poirier down? That yeah. that's what I want to see. The Khabib. What what happens if Khabib? Because now you're forced to stand up. So mm-hmm. if you got to stand up, can you stand up with a guy like Poirier? That's what we're gonna see. If I had to bet money, I'm taking Poirier because I like the payout. If my life was on the line, mm-hmm. I take Khabib because I think that's the safer bet. Yeah, it it does seem like it, and you know, Khabib is just an an animal. With I mean, dude, he used to wrestle the that was a big ass video that yeah, went yeah. viral with him. 
But what other what other fights are you excited about? Well, the fight of the night for me, I, I don't see how anyone is even going to get close to this one. It's going to be a guy that I actually know came up fighting for uh, CFFC. It's actually a rematch between Paul Felder and Barbosa. Mm. These are two brutal, Co-main. brutal, brutal strikers. And what I mean by that is like, first of all, I'd be willing to bet my kid's birth certificate doesn't go to a decision. Wow. I think so. We should definitely yeah, put man, this in our DraftKings lineups. <laughs> yeah, these guys are definitely going for the finish. Um, I know Paul personally. Uh, he's a great guy. I don't know Barbosa. He's yo, not, I think he's tremendous on commentary. Yeah, he's really good. He's mad. Like, yeah. yo, him, DC, um, Dominic Cruz, he has his moments. I, with I don't me. like Dominic. Yeah, I, 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 if I had to say if I liked him or not, I'd probably lean to yeah. like not liking him, but. DC is tremendous. Yeah, DC, but I think Felder's the guy. I think Felder he, is really good. Yeah, too, I think man. he's the best one. I think DC is really good, but I think Felder's better to be yeah, honest. Yeah, yeah. On the comments. And, and I think a lot of people don't realize that because DC's obviously a bigger, bigger name to name, like yeah. the public that aren't the hardcore UFC fans. Yeah. Um, so I think to me that's fight of the night. Has it fight of the night written all over it? Somebody's gonna get knocked out. Um I'm pulling for Felder because I know him personally. Um, I I always hate saying things like this when it's being recorded because I don't want the other guy to feel like you know uh, right yeah but you know well, be- so let me ask you a question do you th- do you feel as if there's uh even if you don't want to there's a bias towards the guys that you know or train with yeah there is because this is a, it's a hurt business it's not like basketball it's not like I can't say like oh it'd be nice to see Barbosa win because no it's not why would I want Barbosa to hurt a guy I, I know personally yeah you know what that I'm makes saying sense. if it was like baseball and they were pitching against each other or basketball they were shooting the ball in the hoop or you know I'd be like all right whatever I can, I can choose you know I maybe I don't want my I want this other guy to you know I like this guy or like but this is a he's trying to hurt my friend you know like I mean, I'm not saying, you know, me and Felder are tight, but nah, I know but, yeah. I know the guy. I know right. he has a daughter. I've seen his daughter. He knows my son. My son loves him. We see each other at CFFC events all the time. He's always been – so, like, I want I don't want him to get hurt. I want him to do well, right. you know? So, it's definitely – yeah, there is a bias. So, uh, hands down, I want Felder to win that fight. And be, especially because I think it's going to be a knockout, I would hate to see him on the on – the, that end of the stick. You gotta watch out for them legs, man. Barboza is no. Yeah, he can, but you know what, what about Barboza being Brazilian? I, I don't. Oh, you know what's funny? I got a funny story real quick. Um, every time, two times already on my Instagram, I've gotten like hate messages for pulling for guys that I actually train with, right? Right. Um, who was one? one Wait, of, so I don't understand. So like, people, so like Julio Arce, right? Okay. I train with him. He's from Tiger Showman's forty-five in the UFC. Fought in Brazil. Sherman Moraes, I think is the guy's name. It was a bloody fight. It was in Madison Square Garden. I posted a picture or something or a video. I was watching it and I posted it on my Instagram story where I said, "Good luck to my good friend and training partner Julio Arce." Bro, I got like hate mail from the Brazilians. Oh, you're a traitor! How oh. dare you go against your country? And I'm like, bro, I, I train with this guy. What are you right. talking about? Just because the guy's from my country doesn't make I'm going to go, you know, for him. I'd yeah. rather, I would always side with the guy that I'm in the gym sweating with and training with. Of course. With yeah. Over and just also that you nationality know. that I know. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So that happened twice. It was one Julio Arce. Maybe you want to say the other one was Shane Borgos, maybe? Or I don't, maybe Jared. I think it was Jared, actually, when he fought that guy that's actually on this card. Uh, Ferrer. Diego Ferrer. I think he's yeah. on this card, right? Yeah, he is. He is. That's a tough fight, too. I know. If I'm not mistaken. Man, that, that fight got me so upset with Jared because uh, he got low blow twice, twice in, the first, in the first 30 seconds. Yeah. And then yeah. and then when I... He should have definitely lost a point for that because he he stopped Jared's forward pressure yeah. from there on and made him a little more hesitant. We saw Jared a couple a couple months after and he was like, we're like, yo, like, how'd you... He's like, bro, you got... He's like, 
I got kicked in the nuts twice. He's like, obviously, I slowed down a little bit. Yeah. He's like, it happened so sudden, so yeah, back to yeah, back. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think I think he 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 definitely deserved to uh, lose a point from that fight. I think it would have been very different uh, had he lost the point. Um, so there's the main event we spoke about, right? We spoke about the co-main. Let me ask you a question about that. Say, and I guess we could we could start wrapping up with this one. Khabib wins. What do you think is next for Khabib? Ferguson can't dodge. That it has to, has be, to right? be like there's no no brain. But that fight, I feel like it's like cursed. cursed. Yes, yo. Yeah. So for that, those of you guys that don't know, they've booked that fight three times. I think so, man. It's been booked many times. Yeah. And then like always a problem. Khabib Tony Tony Ferguson trips, trips over, over the court. wiring at yeah. like the press conference, and then it's like it's Khabib, Khabib weight something with a weight issue. Yo, it's just it's just a yeah. Cursed they got fight. they almost they literally were at the weigh-ins and. And Khabib went to the hospital for cutting too much weight. Um, so it's Tony. It's Tony for Khabib. I, I think so. I yeah. think that you can't you can't argue that. So what happens if Dustin pulls the upset? If Dustin pulls the upset, who do you give Dustin? I mean, I think it's still Ferguson. I think Tony's. But next. I, I I'd like to see Ferguson and Khabib. So I think right. I think if that happens, maybe you give you give. Uh, no, nah, because he's looking for Masvidal. I'll say maybe you give Diaz a shot at fifty five, man, just because I like him. Right. I hope that. Who else is at fifty five, man? Uh, You'd be pumped for Diaz Masvidal. Yeah, no, nah, not really. Actually, I'll take that back. Yeah. At first, you know why? As a fight, yeah, amazing fight. I like both guys. I would hate to see the guy right, fighting. Yeah. And I think they both respect each other too much. It seems like it. Yeah. I it seems like both of them are like. They're just gonna be like, "Yo, we both we both know we're, we're the real deal. Let's fucking fight and shut up." Like, right. I don't think it's gonna be as hype. It's gonna be a great fight. I don't know if it's gonna be as hype because it seems like there's a mutual respect where the, those two guys aren't gonna be talking that. That's much what shit. I'm saying about each other. Yeah, you know, I don't think so. Yeah, I like what Nate said. He was like, he, you know, there's not many gangsters in this sport. He's like, he a gangster, but he ain't a West Coast gangster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like subtle shouts like that. I guess is the approach that them two would take. So, yeah. On the prelims, there's another fight too, man, and it's actually a female fight. A lot of people don't, you know, they're not big on the good women's fight, but I, I, I respect the women when they have it. But I, I want to watch Calderwood versus, uh, to name uh, Lee. I think uh, that's gonna be a good fight too. Calderwood just came from, uh, she lost, I think, her last fight. Uh, I don't know if she fought in between that, but she lost to Blonde Fighter. Mm -hmm. That was a good fight, and uh, Angela Lee, man, she's tough. So I, that's gonna be a good fight. I want to watch that one. Uh, yeah, I love watching all the fights, man. Yeah, they're all. And uh, shout outs to uh, Jared's roommate, Bilal Muhammad. He's yeah. on that too. That's so uh, he he always puts on a good fight. Um, he's on that. Uh, he's a tough welterweight too. Uh, there's a couple of good fights on this card, man. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. And I like that. You know what? Not for nothing. I know it's a weird start time. I think the I think the prelims start at 10 a.m. Something like that. Yeah. And it's it's nice to be able to go out afterwards. Yeah, you, you know, like sometimes I, I leave the bar and it's one a.m. I'm like, I just want to go home now. Yeah, like especially Sunday's football the next yeah, day. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, Serge, it was a pleasure. Thanks for coming on. I'm I'm pretty sure we'll do this again. Yeah, man. In, thank in you the for near having me. Future. Tell the people where they can find you. Social media. The floor is yours. Yeah. Thank you, brother. Uh, so you can follow me on the Savage. So it's T H E S A V A G E one twenty five, which once upon a time was my weight class. We're uh, long past those days, but I still have that. So I'm on Twitter, you know, Facebook, Instagram, all that good stuff. I appreciate you for having me, and I'm uh, looking forward to being back. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. All right, before we move on to the NFL part of this episode, a couple things we got to take care of. Patreon.com slash Veterans Minimum. The Patreon looks completely different. Go check it out. There's way too much shit to rattle off. 
patreon.com slash veterans minimum check it out see what you think and if you think it's worth a delightful donation every month from you guys then there's some cool stuff on there you can win prizes merch maybe even get on a guest podcast with your boy also if you are looking for merch it's the loyalist.com slash veterans minimum shirts and hoodies and hats on there as well baby all right joining me now right before we went live and started recording my guy alan stirk back in the building alan it's been a while very excited to be here what's up good man are you sure you're excited because this julio stuff just came out now and <laughs> dude we're going right in <laughs> yeah we're going right into it man come on now yeah man i've been for the past i would say three months obviously i've been uh right for sb nation cover the falcons the julio hasn't really been a saga There's, things have been very amicable because you know dan quinn he has really c- good control of the locker room. Like those players really believe in. I know there's some questions about Dan Quinn as you know his time management skills, coachability, but th- th- he gets those players behind him. Like Dan Quinn's a very much a player's coach. So for this to happen is very surprising. Just because look, I think we all know Julio Jones arguably best receiver in the league, top three minimum. For them not to come to terms at this stage, like if you would told me Ezekiel Elliott has a contract and now Julio Jones this time, I would have called you insane. But here we are Thursday afternoon. Yo, you know my man crush for Julio Jones? I think I love him more than you do. Well, I got his jersey like in 2012, so I don't know. I don't have his jersey, which is really a surprise yeah. if you really think about it. But now nah, when, when it comes to uh, playing daily fantasy and fantasy, I always it's always Julio week. And I don't know, this week, you know, the word is, is that he's going to play, but he might hold out. Yeah. Like afterwards, which is weird. Like, why would you? Do you think it's because it's such a sudden, Maybe. sudden turn of events? Because he also isn't a guy that strikes me for someone that's. Has he held out in the past? I don't he remember. He was threatening to last year, but then he showed up to train camp. Like the day before train camp, he just said, All right, I'll come. Things have always been good. Like Atlanta is not known for like having tension with their players. Like they usually handle business. Look at great Jarek, Deion Jones, Count Neal's going to get signed soon. Like, Jake Matthews last year, like they don't have tension in Atlanta. So it's just, this is all very surprising. Yo, with Julio, though, you know, the craziest thing about it is like, yeah, I'm not going to argue with you about where you put him in your top three, um, top five, whatever, but he he is that kind of receiver. And especially this year, man, like I, I picked the Falcons to do a deep playoff run. Like we just oh. dropped on Monday, we dropped the preview show. If you guys haven't checked that out, check that out. And I got them winning the South. I got them going to the NFC title game. Whoa. Okay. Um, I think that, yo, look, they spent the the first two round picks, their first, their two first round Lindstrom picks and McGarry. on offensive line. Mm-hmm. And then they get all those guys back from defense that they lost last year. And, yo, not for nothing. Matt Ryan was a beast last year. You'll never hear me criticize Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan's top seven quarterback in the league, always reliable. I, the issue with Matt Ryan is, for some reason, when it comes to, like, nationally televised games, he will crumble a bit, especially if pass rush is getting it like you watched the philly game like i don't know what happened it was 95 degrees on a summer like literally a year ago at this time it was eagles falcons last year it was like 95 degrees philadelphia thunderstorm crazy and he just he he looked like 15 year old veteran probably should retire people were saying like matt ryan's washed this and right. the next three weeks i think he had like 12 touchdowns one pick all games were in the dome but still i think matt ryan's always been reliable i never think it's just with most qbs when they get hit they get riled a bit. Like we saw the Thanksgiving game, New Orleans last year, he kind of struggled too. So yeah, and also, yo, not for nothing. When you, a lot of quarterbacks when they play on the road, they just play bad. That's just a natural thing. Like everyone's numbers for the most part are worse when they play outdoors, especially if you're a dome quarterback that goes outdoors. That's even worse. But one of the reasons why I really like the Falcons 
this year and I don't want to take away too much from that preview show. It's yeah, you know, they play thirteen games indoors and their one cold game or outdoor game that might be in crisis is a December bout against the Niners, which probably, is yeah, something you'd probably sign up with. Right. You, you know? know when they play Carolina Road? Probably no October November. I think it's early. I know the schedule. Yeah, yeah. I but, think it's uh, a, yeah, someone that fucking yeah, talks should, about the Falcons. I, I know maybe like like week three, but uh yeah, I think Atlanta when it comes to just Going back to the Julio thing, it's just I'm very surprised given just how they do business there because there's certain teams you watch. Like I think the prime example, the Chargers, they play hardball. They go with Joey Bosa, Vincent Jackson. Like the, those guys will hold out till November. They don't care. That's why with the whole Melvin Gordon situation, like I think he'll be traded. I don't know where, but it's just there's certain organizations they just they stick to their guns. But Atlanta's known for being a very player friendly organization. So for this to happen, it's considering all he's done for the organization, right. it's just it's very shocking. And look, I know week one it's a long season, but look, every game counts in NFL. Like losses at you have six losses in the NFC, you're in trouble. Like if you have championship aspirations, and I know Atlanta, especially given last year how much they underachieved. They got Super Bowl aspirations, and Dan Quinn's kind of on the hot seat. I know it's crazy, but he knows he has to deliver this year. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. When when half your defense gets put on IR and you lose two offensive linemen, I feel like you kind of have. And look, they still won seven games, so it's not yeah, like but they were like four and nine. Like they won three games at the end of the year against Arizona, Carolina, who had Heineke starting, and then Tampa. Like last year was bad. They were at the playoff hunt by December. It was pretty ugly and right for for a team that had just went to a super bowl and then went to the playoffs a year the after eagles in a game that easily should have won if the right Sarkees in the red zone <laughs> yeah it was not the usual yeah but then, but now quinn's the d coordinator and then they brought back their cutters so there's a lot of pressure there for them to deliver that's another reason why people are really excited about julio this year because julio's best years minus 2016 with shannon because that was the legendary year but their cutter is the coordinator that really got the most out of julio so that's another reason why this is kind of a concern because just cutter knows how to use them on screens digs you know they uh they know you put together rub rods so especially with new and ridley so it's this is the most talented they've been since probably 2012 when they had roddy was still in his prime tony gonzalez was there mm. you know, harry douglas is a once up and wow <laughs> harry fucking douglas so, holy yeah. shit i haven't heard that name yeah. in forever so this offense this year couldn't be more stacked and now for this to be going on and they're going against minnesota i think a top five defense it's very concerning that this isn't happening like things aren't coming to terms yo with julio um, you know, that offense, I think it'd be really good this year. It should be good every year with the personnel. Right, <laughs> right. That Yes, yeah. you're right. But I think Austin Hooper, Solid, yeah. in the red zone too, I think they might start using him more. I think it might have been you that posted a clip somewhere on uh, – on Twitter about how they were, you know, running some practice routes and whatnot, like during practice, like Hooper in the red zone was like mm -hmm. something they were really targeting. And look, I, I think Devonte Freeman is going to bounce back this year too. The issue with Freeman is just, you got to look at two concussions, PCL, MCL ankle. And I think also like he's been really banged up. I think talent wise, you can put him up in the, you can put him in the top five, top 10. Like I think talent, he does it all, but it's just, you worry at these last two years, he's been banged up quite a bit. And, you know, he's not the guy, you know, he's pretty undersized, and he's not someone that really likes to make defenders miss. He bangs like he will go helmet first into the defender, go lower his shoulder, no problem. This guy embraces contact, but unfortunately, it's been somewhat for uh, I guess just hasn't worked. Like, you look at the Eagles game last year, he got injured week one, came back five weeks later, gets injured Pittsburgh. Like, he, I think he had like 60 snaps last year, like, mm -hmm. that's how bad he was banged up, but. I think Freeman's the real deal in terms of talent-wise, but I think the last just, you, you worry about running backs with all these injuries, especially concussions. You know, two he had two concussions in like three months back in 2017, and then you look at the PCL and MCL. It just 
I don't know how many carries again. And you know, they, they didn't resign Tevin Coleman, so that's another kind of uh, interesting thing. Falcons officially attribute Julio Jones' limited Thursday practice to rest. Quickly said, quickly saying he plans to play on Sunday. So, yeah, I don't know. they got to make a decision by tomorrow because Yo. they. You know, it's funny they announced their depth chart. They still have a clear start at left guard or right tackle. So it's just for a team that prides themselves on stability, it's. Been kind of a weird offseason in Atlanta because there's a lot of pressure on them, especially given that this is a team that show on the Super Bowl, obviously, and then you know, they easily could have beaten Philadelphia, and then who knows what happened. They would probably played Minnesota NFC Championship, and who would have known Case Keenum. So it's just they've had some missed opportunities. And then Matt Ryan, he's 34 years old. Like, right. I, I know quarterbacks, they could play. Well, now, now they played till like 38. Yeah, but at this point, the window's there. Right. So, Right, you man. Go. You mentioned it before about Sarkeesian having the best years with Julio, and I just can't. Yeah, Dirk Cutter, Dirk Cutter. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, not Sarkeesian. And uh, yeah, definitely not Sarkeesian. <laughs> um, I just can't stop thinking about uh, him saying that he might go for three thousand yards this year, and hey. that that means that means I'm going to be losing or winning a lot of money in DFS this season if that's the case. Because uh, I just have a man crush on this guy. Mm-hmm. Moving on over to another wide receiver that you know a lot of a lot of wild shit has happened today. Apparently, Odell Beckham cannot sprint yet kind of concerning also because like yo look i've been on record saying that i was not upset that the giants traded him Mm -hmm. because they weren't utilizing him here he was not being capped right his ceiling wasn't being hit because eli manning is a shot fighter and i just think he's shot now like there's no fight in him anymore personally and i love the guy but enough is enough i've seen you for way too long running third and seven checkdowns two yards down the field like it's just enough is enough so when the savior comes in daniel jones that'd be different i would have liked to have odell beckham jr then but odell like pretty much this whole offseason i think there was rumblings not rumblings but there were reports and freddie kitchens came out a bunch of times and was like yeah like i haven't seen odell yet Mm -hmm. i saw him when we hung his jersey and you know the press conference and whatnot and jarvis was there but then after that he hasn't showed up to otas he's you know, we're big soccer fans. He's chilling with Neymar and yeah. with, with Mbappe in France and whatnot. And it's like he's everywhere yeah. but with the Browns. And now he comes back to camp and it's like, oh, he can't even sprint yet? Like, And Freddie Kitchens has one of the more complex playbooks. Like, he's very much one of those college coaches where he's going to throw a lot of different creative stuff. Like, he's like he's with the, you know, we talk about McVay, Shannon, Kingsbury. I want to put Kitchens on a level because he's only had, what, eight games? Like, kind of like Baker Mayfield. Yeah, and this is his first time yeah. really, like, not for nothing. He was a running backs coach. and Right. Then, just took the ball and he, yeah. he ran with it. He did a hell of a job last year. No one could deny that, but there's also like there's a lot of pressure on him. But I know Kitchens has a very complex playbook, so I could see why he's upset that Odell's not around because it's like you gotta learn these plays because you we have obviously Landry and Joku. They have so much talent in Cleveland, but I know Kitchens is gonna run some wild stuff because he's just one of those guys. Yeah, if I told you just without without any research, who's missed more games in their career? Sammy Watkins or Odell Beckham? I really want to go Sammy Watkins, but watch, it's definitely Odell. I think they've missed the same amount of games okay. I remember reading. But public perception so Odell is... Odell was out. What, was, what season? Like week five, he tore something, right? Uh, it was 2017. Okay, yeah. So the year after they made the playoffs... the Chargers. Yeah. Well, they lost Marshall, Shepard, and Odell within <sighs> like okay. three drives of each other. Um, yeah, that was a season through hell. And, you know, just to touch on the Giants quick, the worst thing that ever happened to them was the 2016 season because they've been bad for... I don't want to say a decade because they won the Super Bowl in 2011, but since 2012 on, they've been bad. They've been a bad football team as far as draft picks, wins, 
they have, I think, them and the Browns have the, the, the worst records in football in the last five years. Wow. But see, the 2016, at least they showed some, pro, uh, I guess, progress just because the offseason, you know, the free agent splashes. They yeah, they spent Jenkins, 200 million. Vernon, and Harrison. All yeah, they hit. had home runs on all those guys. Yeah. So at least that was encouraging. But that offense was so bad. They didn't score more than 30 points for how many years? Remember, that was the running joke. Yeah, well, what we'll Mac could do there, yeah. but uh, I think a lot of it had to do with Eli, man, and oh, yeah. and you know, going back to Odell, I think of all the positions in football, when you're a wide receiver and you go to a new team, I feel like that's the one where you need camp, absolutely, and like you've seen, especially a team under transition like this, yeah, but also just yeah, correct, and also it's not just like you're on the Patriots, like yo, look, if Julio misses camp, he's been with Matt Ryan how many years now? Ninth year, eighth, eighth or ninth yeah. year, twenty eleven. But that was the lockout year. Yeah, but but up. basically, he's been with him for eight years. Right, right. So if Julio misses a couple of weeks because he just wants to rest or he doesn't want to run routes, it's like he didn't play in preseason. Like, yeah, well, I wouldn't play him yeah, in preseason. And and I think you know a, a conversation to have is I think preseason is dying completely. Well, this yeah. year was very alarming. No yeah. big names played in preseason outside of like if you're a guy that was under twenty five or if you're on a new team, that's the only time like right. you really played. But like Rodgers didn't play, Barkley didn't play for the Giants. I think and why would you start out last year? I remember the Rams were not playing anyone last year. Like well, what, what does Robert Woods need to prove to you? <laughs> Absolutely not. Right, Jared Goff, Gurley. Like, yeah. what do they need? If if anything, I, the, the guy I can understand is like Cooper Cup mm. coming back from ACL surgery, and you're like, Absolutely. yeah, you know what? Let me see what he looks like running around. But I think with the wide receiver position, you get you got to get acclimated to a new quarterback, a new system, also. But I think it's just the speed and like, yo, I'm going to run a seven-yard slant and whatnot. Like, I got to be ready for the ball. Am I going to be ready for the ball? Is the timing right? I'd be worried, yo. Odell Beckham Jr. owners, like, I, I remember I had this conversation with Danny the other day. And I was saying how, like, yo, I feel like Odell could be a prime, like, buy-low candidate in fantasy this year. Like, I could definitely see, like, through the first month he has, like, 16 catches. And it's like, but it's not like a... It's not like a crazy 16 catches. It's like three, four catches a game, and it's for like 40 yards. Like nothing. He hasn't exploded for that game. I will say that he does play the Jets week two in MetLife Monday night. So That slant that, to the house is coming. That matchup, that just atmosphere. In New York. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll definitely be talking about that one. I think producer Mike, you got uh, you got tickets to that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Take that. I know. I, th- I think the guys and I want to go to that game too because my buddy Hunter is coming in from Ohio. So we might be going over there. But what? what do you agree with that about wide receivers needing to at least like if you're a new guy that goes to a new team because like Antonio Brown too you know to tie him into the course, mix like yeah. you know we'll get to exactly what happens on what how the offense is looking like if you're going to a team like New England or New Orleans they're pretty established you kind of know what you're getting into Cleveland on the other hand I know they had some success but we're talking about November December like they were a train wrecking so the, like remember the Todd Haley Hugh Jackson I know Cleveland fans like yo do not bring up those two names ever again but look it was part of the season last year but for a team like Cleveland that's still trying to find what their identity is I think Odell has to be there especially Baker bigger than he's been in the league for obviously only one year so and then you know of course Landry Landry's going to command his target just there's a lot of moving pieces in Cleveland and they have so much pressure on them cuz obviously just the expectations and the talent level but also kind of some of the interviews they've kind of brought on themselves now so they're yeah, talking mad like, shit in Cleveland yeah i don't know why like I, I, don't mad think, shit. I don't think it's really necessary but whatever. even yo dude what was the corner's name from LSU that got greedy williams 
Oh, he said, wow. Well, he right after he got drafted, he was like, yo, we're going to the Super Bowl. And it's like, bro. I don't mind that talk, but just look, the whole Daniel Jones thing, the whole they have to bring up the Giants every third interview. Like, I think after the third time, we got the message. All right, so <laughs> let, me, let me drop an analogy on you for this one. The reason why they're doing that is Odell Beckham was dating someone, right? Yeah, I don't know about this. <laughs> and Odell Beckham and that person broke up. And many would say that it was a bad breakup for them. He goes and he finds a new fling. Oh, okay. The Cleveland Browns. What do you do when you initially start dating someone? You kind of slander your ex-girlfriend and like why it didn't work out or boyfriend. Kind of like, well, it didn't work out because of this or that. And they didn't treat me well. And I felt disrespected and they didn't take care of me. And we saw it all great ones. You look at Moss, Owens. They've done it. Yeah, so now. and then what happens? The current girlfriend or boyfriend has your back because they want to get on your good side right. and they want to coddle you. Mm-hmm. It's exactly what's happening with Baker and all these guys coming out. Olivier Vernon coming out. He's like, yeah, he's a hell of a teammate. You know, I had I was with him and with the Giants. Right. So I just think that the Browns are just protecting Odell because he's kind of a sensitive guy and he's kind of I don't want to call him soft, but definitely hears what the media is saying about him. Yeah, he, he's definitely emotional. I want to say fragile, but. Guy's very emotionally invested. This guy lives for this. Like you just saw, you saw what, what year was with the net? Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Years of that, yeah. Shocked people like, what's wrong with this guy? But I just think, especially in Odell's position, you're going to obviously a much more talented team, a franchise that's on the rise. Like I just don't understand why you got to keep going back to this negative place. Like things are very exciting in Cleveland. You're gonna probably compete for obviously the division. I think they're gonna win the division. But you're gonna be playing football in January, which is something you know, Odell hasn't done since 2016, that season, 2016, 2017. So. Shit, he didn't even play that season. He went to that fucking boat party. Oh. <laughs> Still angry. It's like, but, but, uh, but yeah, I don't know. I just think Odell, based on everything that's going in Cleveland, they're the talk of the town right now. I don't think there's more exciting team right now than Cleveland. Like everyone, like if you're a, a journalist, you want to write about the Browns. Like it's exciting. So that's why I, just, I think Odell just set up there. Like I don't understand why he has to keep going back to Giants. Like I can understand why the first two months, but dude, like you're it's August. Well, it was August, and you still right. make these comments. It's like, no. Nah, but but what I find baffling is just why haven't we heard about these injury reports? Like this, why is it coming out now? Like I have not heard anything about this. Yeah, it is kind of concerning. Do you think they're trying to just play mind games with the Titans? That's who they played this week, but why? <laughs> yeah, right. Like a Dory Jackson scares you. Come on now, or Logan Ryan. Congrats. That's not that's not scaring anyone. Good old but Mike Vrabel, man. Uh, yeah, that's that is kind of weird. I just um, I don't understand the timing of it. We would have heard about like we heard about Mari Cooper what last month he had uh, plantar fasciitis, and I hear he's gonna be good now. But like that was a story that happened like a month ago. He didn't play all preseason, so. You expect with these high-profile players, you're going to hear injury reports like just breaking now. All right. So. Yo, what do you think about this AB shit that went down today with Mike Mayock? First of all, Mike Mayock was my guy when he was on. I NFL love Mike Mayock, man. He was the man. He was, he was yeah. so cool. I met him at the. I met him at a draft, not the one that I went with you, because us two went to the 2013 draft. Correct. Uh, the Deion Jones trade up. Deion Jordan. Deion Jordan. Who yeah. I say? Deion George. Deion Jones. Deion Jones. Oh, Falcons. Oh, yeah, because you're a Falcons. Deion Jordan. So I believe on the Seahawks. Oh man. Yeah. I remember there was a Dolphin fan in front of us, and when they traded up and then took him, he, like, was furious. Well, then, like, 40 of them left. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the Justin Pugh year for the Giants. And mm-hmm. I want to say that was when the Jets took Mil- Milner and uh, Richardson. Right. 2013. And they booed Richardson, cheered Milner, so Jet mm-hmm. fans. I don't know what we're doing. Oh, man. I mean, Jet fans, I feel like they boo everyone. They didn't. Did <laughs> no, they, they cheered, Shell- no, no, cheered Milner because I think they really wanted corn because I believe Revis got traded or something. Maybe Revis went to the Bucks that year. 
Um, look, we'll fact check eventually, but uh, so, but I just remember they cheered Milner. They were really hyped because I think Dean Milner went to Alabama, right? Yeah, so, you know, Alabama defensive player. We got you hyped about that. Meanwhile, Sean Richardson, you, you had all these character concerns, and I think they wanted Eifert maybe the Jets because they had no offensive playmakers at the time. So that was strange, but that was a good draft. Falcons got true font. I was excited about that. I remember NFL Network panting me, and I was on TV, and the Giants took Justin Pugh. And I kind of just was like very like bland about it. I was like, ah, that's cool. And that good some, career. some lady, some lady next to me goes, oh, do you like the pick? I was like, I feel like we could have got him in the third or fourth round. <laughs> Turns out it's Justin Pugh's family sitting like a couple seats away from me. So they were not thrilled about that one. But, but yeah, I, I hope uh, like Lewis Riddick kind of goes to Mike Mayock. I think Lewis Riddick's one of the best out there right now. I oh, I love Lewis Riddick. I kind of hope he does what Mike Mayock does. He works for... A team, hopefully not the Raiders, though. It's just like, man, I feel anyone's working for the Raiders right now. Just want to talk about a franchise in disarray. Like, oh, just, it's it's on right now in the background on the TV. Plan to suspend Brown. The Raiders do. I, I heard that if they suspend them, they might be able to get out from that thirty million dollars guarantee. It's really weird because I everyone kind of knew AB was a character, but I didn't think we really knew he, he was this much of a head case until. Maybe last year, but even last year, I didn't think it was that big of a deal because I always say, I think when it comes to QBs, like franchise quarterbacks, I always say, I think Ben Roethlisberger is arguably the worst one when it comes to just being a leader. Like, I think, I don't think he's ever been a good leader. You've seen him repeatedly put down teammates in in public. We know about his off the field issues. We don't have to get into that. But I think when you look at franchise quarterbacks, you don't see many QBs publicly criticize their teammates right. or say, uh, that's not my job or, oh, uh, what was the quote? I, after the Broncos game where he completely botched that fourth down and threw the ball right to the D tackle or the play call, and he just put down – like he, I remember he put down James Washington. James Washington was the one that I was thinking about, and that's a young kid too. He kind of just like shot his confidence. You don't see Brady. You don't see Rodgers. Like Bra- Rodgers will every now and then make a comment. You don't see guys put down a team. It's, you don't see Ryan – and even a guy like Cam Newton, oh, I can't believe still gets Christian. Like Cam Newton, all right, the journalists with the routes, all right, bad move. But you don't see Cam Newton doing this kind of stuff, but he'll get all the criticism. Even Baker now getting all his criticism. Like To me, Big Ben, I've always had an issue with him just – a guy that's played for in the league since 2004 just constantly put down his teammates. Like, dude, you're a Super Bowl champion. Like, you're a franchise QB. You don't see other people in your position doing this. So that's why for a long time I pretty much blamed all of Pittsburgh, all their issues on Big Ben. But AB's not making my kiss look good. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think you're, like, completely off on that one because I uh, think now that it's, yeah. I think if you're if you're someone that's a Big Ben truther and or even a Steelers I wouldn't even say a fan because you could be a little delusional sometimes as a fan. But I just think if you're just someone that took the Steelers side, man, if you blame the Le'Veon Bell for the holdout and like how that was crazy, he looks like an angel now compared to like some of the stuff that well, AB's. Even some offensive linemen kind of put him down last year. I don't know if it was Pouncey or the Castro, but one of them says like, "Oh, he's not here. Whoever running the ball behind us, that's who it is." Meanwhile, you see Dallas with Zeke; they backed him up. So right, there's always mur- there's always murkiness yeah. in Pittsburgh, but. Based on these past few months with AB, it's like you got to put on him now. Like, yeah, at this point, this is all this helmet of working on Versace loafers. Like, it's not oh my god, yeah, I remember when I saw that shit, and then two days later they put up the picture of his feet, and it's like, yeah, no shit, that's why his feet look like that. You can't be wearing that and working out. Like, dude, what the hell are you doing? Work, get an Under Armour deal, work with Nike, Adidas, just get a major brand behind you, just work out like any normal receiver. Like, nah, but he gotta he gotta swag it out for the gram. That's what it is. So, so between that and just 
you know, now you're going out with the GM and just, I don't know. It's kind of funny seeing John Gruden not really, he's kind of keeping a low profile. Meanwhile, John Gruden's arguably the most charismatic coach out there. Like John Gruden, he doesn't shy away from talking. And now he's kind of kept a low profile because he kind of knows AB's his guy. Like he's someone that, okay. Because they got to kind of win this year. I know it's a long-term project in Oakland slash Las Vegas, but they can't have what happened last year happen again. I cannot wait till they go to Vegas. <laughs> of course. That's going to be a shit show. I don't know who's gonna be on the team. Like people talk about, like who's gonna be on, like who's the poster child in Oakland right now? Because I don't think Derek Carr is the guy in the long haul. I've not been impressed by Derek Carr in a long time. There's this stat that I touched on. Um, I don't know the exact like word for it, and I'm not a fan of new stats. Like I think stats have kind of gotten a little too ridiculous. But there's this one. It it basically, Alan, what it measures is throws to the sticks. Right, like how many throws are you making aggressively downfield to pick up the first down? Right. Or are you someone that wants to check it down and let the players be playmakers? Mm-hmm. Jameis Winston, first in the league at balls deep downfield, right? Derek Carr, like third from the bottom with Cody Kessler and like the Blake Bortles of the world. Okay, no surprise. And it's like Antonio Brown is a guy that kind of likes going downfield too. And Tyrell Williams, they vested. He's like the seventeenth highest paid receiver. And yeah. What was he known for with the Chargers? He yeah. Was their vertical threat. Home home run threat. I did not get that field stretcher. I don't know, man. I think AB from the beginning that first Hard Knocks episode. I remember tweeting out something like, "Even his son knows it's a bad idea to voluntarily want to leave Big Ben and the Steelers because his son on Hard. Did you watch Hard Knocks? Not really. No, so never there's, been Hard Knocks guy. there's a scene in Hard Knocks where. Antonio Brown's on the sidelines with his kids, and his kid goes, "Hey, Dad, where where a where Big Ben at?" And Antonio Brown's like, "What do you mean?" He's like, where, "Where's Big Ben?" He's like, "Where's he at?" He's like, "He's in Pittsburgh. We're not with Pittsburgh no more. That's our quarterback." He's like, "For real?" And then it was just like the kid just got all like destroyed, three, four oh, years old. But it was just funny, and I was like, yo, if his son knows that was a bad idea, then... You know, it's crazy that he would have been a better fit in Buffalo, and I don't know what how the Bulls going to look, but like Josh Allen, if there's one thing Josh Allen could do, it's throw downfield. Yeah. So that actually would have been probably a better fit, but Buffalo, Sean McDermott, he's as no-nonsense as it gets, so I'm, I'm not surprised that didn't happen. Like, I, I can't imagine what Sean McDermott, because he's as... He doesn't play games, Sean McDermott. Yo, say they... There's a way that they could cut Antonio Brown and not eat a penalty on this guaranteed money. How many teams do you think try to pick him up? Does he have New so England? The Eagles or- will be interested. The Eagles, will, every talented player available, the Eagles will somehow be interested. They were, investing, they were linked with Clowney. Like they yeah, could- and also there was, a, there was a report about how they were going to do a swap mid-round picks and Jordan Howard for Melvin oh, Gordon. Another one. It's, if someone's available, Philly will somehow be like... Until how the is Wentz, that possible? They well, just, the Wentz deal, once Wentz gets... Well, wait, Wentz just got paid, right? Yeah, but I think it starts next year. Okay. Yeah, they just work wonders. Like, when they made... I know the trade flopped, but when they got Golden Tate, I was like, how is that possible? I know it flopped, but... But it would be crazy. I was seeing A.B. with... You got Alshon, you got Whiteside, you got Deshaun, you know, Gertz, Ertz Goddard, like... They have so many playmakers. Sure, Aguilar, too, is there Agu- still? Aguilar's a playmaker. He's kind of revived his career. So, But you just know the Eagles will somehow be involved. The, it's got to be a franchise that they know how to keep players in check. Like, the Patriots, I could see being involved because they could keep players in. Like, I know Josh Gordon hasn't quite worked out there, but he's he, yeah, but he, he I, was I think But I think Josh Gordon Different was. Case, yeah, yeah, like, it wasn't. He wasn't a head case on the field. Baggage. It was. 
Sure, but I think like the Patriots, I would say kept them in line. There was just a bigger issue with Josh Gordon that he kind of stepped away from football. It's not like he was like drawing penalties and he was late to practice. It's like, no, he literally did everything right. That's why a lot of players kind of had his back when he stepped away. Right. When he stepped away, everyone said a lot of positive things about him. So, yeah, it would be a typical New England thing. I just can't find it. I, f- I actually, I find it hard to believe that. He's causing this much drama, having not even like practice really with this team. Like, dude, you got paid, you... and he wanted this. Like, you wanted out of Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, for look for all the drama there over the past few years. There's still one more stable organizations out there. They're going to compete every year. Pittsburgh. They're, I think. I think I read the best old lines. Right. I think I I read that last year was the only year that Antonio Brown, since he got into the NFL, didn't win ten games. So it's like, yo, you've been going. To- he had like 15 touchdowns last year. Like he was really productive. Yeah, yeah. And, and he started Brown off a down year. <laughs> yeah, right. And he he started off pretty sluggish and slow too. Right. Like I remember, uh, that Saints game. Josh, my buddy Josh was called calling him Tetris Head because his FanDuel profile picture, oh. his haircut was like that weird, like it looked like a Tetris right, right, piece. Right, right. You know what game? I think get, when they play the Falcons in October, I think he had like two touchdowns, 180 yards. So I think that was the game. That I remember I was covering that game in Pittsburgh, and he just went off. Well, I mean, it's Falcons defense. Yeah, it's, you guys. It's the antidote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. you guys had no one over there. But it's just he wanted this, and now for him to keep causing this drama, it's like, what? Do, what do you, more do you want? But I will say, if there's a team that I would like to see him on, I'd love to see him in Carolina. I think it'll be a cool fit. Him and Cam. Wow. And, and North Turner, I know he's kind of a dinosaur, but he did a lot of good things. When Cam's shoulder was right last year, I thought Carolina. They look, they went what six and two to start the season. They were doing a lot of good things with the offense. So. But I don't know, Carolina, their team kind of pressed with money. Like they they just got Gerald McCoy last offseason. That was like the only move they could make. Oh, they got Matt Paradise too, which was kind of a big move for the whole line. But I don't know, I'd like to see him there. That'd be a cool move. That would be cool. I'm trying to think of the team that he would go to. I know obviously everyone Yo, what about the Jets? Mike, how do you feel about him going to the Jets? He's in. Adam Gase with any sort of any sort of player with baggage. I don't know. Adam Gase not necessarily the guy when it comes to communication. That's uh, really because I think with the issue with him in Miami, you look at Jai Landry, Sue. Those are three players, but he didn't really care. He just like all right, just got him out. That's so true. I don't yeah. think Adam Gase is. Like, I like him issues. as a play designer, but I don't know him as him with a leader. Right. Him as a leader, like I just. I, I hear bad things about Adam Gase when it came to just communicating with veterans in the locker room. Like Rashad Jones wasn't a big fan of him, so. Yeah, I don't know what that move with the Jets, but they got a lot of talent there. But yeah, I don't know. You think he goes back to Pittsburgh? Absolutely not. He's burned so many bridges. <laughs> so Schuster's just looking at him like, dude, I want to learn routes from you. Now you're blasting me. That was, I think, out of all the things that have happened with AB, I think that was the lamest thing. That was, yeah. Like, come on, Juju's the one of the nicest guy. You just want to learn how to run Yeah, it was a 15-year-old kid, and he's like, yo, you're the best You're the best player in the position. I want to learn routes. That like just that. made him look even better. Like, everyone loves Juju. That just made him look even better. Yeah, so yeah, AB. yeah. And the way he handled it was like a guy that shouldn't handle it that way at 21 years old. Like, he right. handled it like an adult. Right. All right, you know what? Let's stay with the Steelers, man. They got a big game this weekend. They're playing the Patriots. Currently, the line is five and a half points in favor of New England. Is it weird that the Patriots aren't playing on Thursday night football? I know that, you know, at the time we're recording, it's it's Thursday afternoon. And, you know, the Thursday night game is the Bears and the Packers. But it's usually tradition is the Super Bowl winner plays on Thursday. Right. So, like, how do you feel about that? Do you, do you 
Are you someone that looks forward to the Super Bowl when you're playing on Thursday? Or does it even matter to you? Uh, it does. Like, last year was a big moment for I got to cover Eagles-Falcons last year. I was there, and it was like a really good big moment. You had Brian Dawkins, Jeremiah Trotter, Brian Westbrook. Like, there were so many Eagle legends there. And I just think it's cool seeing the Super Bowl champions. Their rewards there at night. Right. So, it's kind of a weird place. So, like, what was the reason why they didn't do it? So, it's the 100-year anniversary of the NFL, and this was the first matchup ever. Oh, okay. I guess that's a reasonable. So, like, a historical yeah. way like yeah. that. At least but, New England's going to still have their moment. Like, they got primetime games. Yeah, so they'll be on primetime. against time. one of their bigger rivals. So, I guess that's cool. But you know, I do like the tradition. Like, especially, you know, Super Bowl champion, they get rewarded. And especially, like, a place like Foxborough, I think that's one of the best stadiums in the league like i love i went to fox bar once had an incredible experience there and i just think you get goosebumps when you go in there so it's a little bit of a downer but still i think that them against pittsburgh even though pittsburgh might not have the talent they once had i still think it's a compelling matchup do you think they don't have the talent they once had because i i just i just trust that organization when it comes to producing wide receivers and like james connor was basically an all pro last year until he got hurt was a pro bowler and i know i know pro bowler is like a fan vote but i think the way i judge a pro bowler is like no you weren't actually an all-star you deserve to be it i just don't know if connor and smith schuster as productive as they were could do it as much as what bell and ab could do bell and ab are as good as it gets like bell as a receiver like connor can't do what he does you, know, you put him in the slot like bell is such a versatile player when it comes to just using him in different formations so Connor, I think you use him on screens, but there's a reason why you're talking about Jalen Sam was going to get a lot of work this year. Because mm-hmm. I think Connor, they also realized they kind of use him more as a two-down back. Well, Bell was just a workhorse. Like For all the criticism Le'Veon Bell gets, I think as a running back, he just brings so much to the table as a, both a receiver and a runner and just with his patience and his vision. So I don't think Connor can replicate that. But look, they'll, they'll still be, he'll still be productive. And on the other side, Smith-Schuster, I'm not sure if he's the downfield threat that A.B. is. So that's why I still think Pittsburgh is going to feel the effects of that, unless maybe like a James Washington uh, really develops into the star. Or I don't know. I love Dante Moncrief, but I think we kind of know he's a he has his limitations at this right. point. So yeah. I still think Pittsburgh is going to feel the effects of not having those two players for the first time, you know, since what 2012 or 13. So, and then defensively, Pittsburgh they're still a team that has holes in whether it's in secondary. They can't really get a pass rush with their they they're very good when it comes to design blitzes, but. You know, four-man rush, you see Pittsburgh at times. They don't get much pressure. I think this this opening week is going to be very telling for Juju um, because if he wants to be the wide receiver that everyone thinks he could be and that he's shown to be, we got to see you do it without Antonio Brown, number one. And now the way New England plays defense is they want to scheme out your best player. I'd probably say Juju is the best player on the Steelers' offense. Oh, yeah. So now you're going to be in that quote-unquote Patriot way. Mm-hmm. That Patriot defense treatment where are they going to put Gilmore on him? Or are they going to do what they used to do with T.Y. Hilton where they would put guys like Logan Ryan on T.Y. Hilton and then throw Revis on like a Reggie Wayne, Moncrief kind of receiver. And then it's like, all right, your number two is on our best corner is on your number two. He's not doing shit. And then we're just going to double cover your number one with our number two corner. Both McC- got McCordy's that both McCordy's right. my high level. And I thought Gilmore was the best corner in the league last year. Like he was really consistent. Gilmore hit a phase where there, there was one game where uh, Corey Davis and the Titans lit him up. The Patriots had some bad losses last year. Ironically, it was the Bill Belichick protégés. You look at Vrabel and Matt Patricia. Right. So. Crazy, crazy. Who would have thought? I always say when it comes to September, the Patriots, they have those games. Like, that, that Lions game was September. The, yeah. I don't, the Titans game was just bizarre. Yeah. yeah, it was just such a weird, weird, unpatriot like loss. Right. And 
with them, that was a game where I I, I want to say Corey Davis caught like ten passes, and it was like eight of them were credited to Gilmore. Moments, yeah. But besides that, Gilmore was fantastic for them last year. So I want to see what Juju's gonna do now because now you gotta you know it's I want to say put up or shut up because this isn't Juju that like forced AB out the door kind of mm-hmm. thing. But now it's like yo, you gotta you gotta you want to be a number one. You have to be double coverage and sometimes even triple coverage, and you're gonna have yeah. to be productive despite teams trying to scheme you out that's what i think i'm looking for offensively for the steelers i think vance mcdonald might have a big game i can see him eating underneath he's this. probably gonna have a big year too yeah because ben loves throwing to the tight ends and he's a vertical who, threat who he's really he... good after a catch too. yeah we, yeah, we yeah. saw that step on on uh, uh, conti, conti yeah, yeah yeah monday night football oh man that, that game was such a lock last year i remember I, I made a i made some phone calls and made a nice financial investment on that one because nice. I think the Bucks were like two and zero, and the Steelers were zero one and one because they had right. the tie also, and it was like a That's must win right. game for them. It's like, yo, come on, Steelers getting points back against Fitzpatrick, the wall. Patrick, you know Fitzpatrick, yeah, it was, crumble he's at some bound point. to yeah crumble exactly, and that's exactly what happened. I really want to also see Devin Bush. Ooh, yeah. Devin Bush, I'm not gonna lie to you, I'm not the biggest college football guy as far as like knowing every single player. Everyone that I know that watches college football were like, yo, that's a typical Pittsburgh Steelers draft pick. Trade up for him. Traded up for him. Very telling that it was the Broncos that traded out of the 10th slot with, with the Steelers. And <clears throat> I have a lot of people, I have some sources that told me the reason why they did that is because the Giants took Daniel Jones. And the Broncos really w- were looking at Daniel Jones. And that was the team that Daniel Jones was going to go to. And then what happened? Steelers trade up to get a guy that they really needed because of Ryan Shazier's injury. Their defense hasn't been the same ever since. And also with Devin Bush, he's just going to like, yo, when you guys watch him on Sunday and just going forward, he's going to be very noticeable. Like he's going to be like a Bobby Wagner kind of guy where he's always going to be around the ball and he's just going to stand out from everyone else. You need those linebackers at this point. You look at Keekly, Deion Jones, even someone, um, Darius Leonard now, uh, Vander Esch. Like you need those three down linebackers where they just cover all sorts of the field. They could do everything, whether it's they're gonna go twenty yards downfield or they could at least get to the running back. Like obviously, you don't want one on one coverage because you just have your running back. Right? Just yeah. Shred if if you, Camaro's one on one with him, I'm not saying like, all right, that's where you gotta yeah, watch. Like that's not a strength. You're gonna get torn apart. But right. I would say that you want those linebackers where you, when it's open field tackle, ninety nine percent of the time they're gonna be like Bobby Wagner does not miss tackles. Keith right. Doesn't. So those are the type of type of linebackers you need. And Pittsburgh. They've been struggling ever since the unfortunate injury. Like, they've desperately needed one of those linebackers because they really don't have a lot of playmakers. Pits. Everyone likes to talk about their defense. It's just, I don't know. They were like, I like uh, I like Hayward. I like, um, wow, who's the other detail? TJ Watt. TJ Watt's decent, but he's not. Him and Bud Dupree are disguised. They, they get pressure off stunts. They, they When it comes to one-on-one, they really don't win. Uh, I like to it. There you go. The nose tackle. Like, I like Pittsburgh. They have a couple of D linemen, but like Joe Hayden's there, and he's kind of. He was good in like 2015. Yeah, but he just gave him like a two year extension. Right. Just shot. Like Pittsburgh did. Probably like once you watch that Jacksonville game where Bortles lit him up, they're like, okay, Pittsburgh's D. There's some serious problems here. And Bush, he might be the guy that at least starts that resurgence because Pittsburgh, I think they realize they're not going to score 30 points a game this year. They kind of need their D to step up. How do you feel about the offense for the Patriots going into this year? Because I do feel like it's a transition period for them where. I think the days of Brady being fantasy viable or being a guy that's going to throw 4,300 yards and 30 touchdowns, I, I think that's done. Yeah, but I'll, I think as long as McDowell's there, they're always going to be productive because McDowell just knows that system. Right. Him and Belichick. And I do have 
big expectations for Sony Michelle. Like I know he has obviously the knee issues and he's not much of an asset as a receiver, but look, they got James White. James White will do it all. But I think Sony is someone that 2025 carries in big games. He proved he could do in the playoffs. So I think he's somebody that the, you should keep an eye for. Like I think is there's a sleeper to the lead the league in rushing touchdowns. He's the guy. Interesting. Yeah. Cause he's going to get a lot of red zone work. And I think Belichick really likes him, which is huh. rare for a running back. Yeah, yeah. It seemed like towards the tail end of the second half of last season, it was like, all right, well, you could definitely start Sony Michelle with confidence in your lineup because, you know, the running joke in the fantasy community was that Bo Belichick doesn't care about your fantasy teams because right. it'd be like Rex Burkhead week, then it'd be like Brandon Bolden, Those obviously. Like Blount weeks. Yeah, jo- uh, Jonas Gray that one time oh, against the Colts. Oh, my God, dude. I remember I had, I had a lineup on FanDuel, and I needed – whoever the other running back was for them. And like, it was Jonas Gray week and it cost me like thousands of dollars. I forgot that even existed. Just four touchdowns. Yeah. You, you remember it when it, when it destroyed you. Right. That's for sure. Hey, I'm excited about Josh Gordon. Uh, I, he, he, I don't know how many snaps he's going to play, but you still have him. And I don't know how much the Marius has left, but he could still be an asset. That was weird. They, they cut him and then they resigned him just for the sake of it. They should, I don't know. At some point again, they gotta throw a screen at Demarish just for the sake of the Pittsburgh game. Remember the playoffs? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you know Belichick's the guy who would do. It. He just has that smirk on his face. I just throw a slant to him and then see him go go right. to the house. Was again. it a screen or a slant? It was a slant. slant. Tebow oh, threw well, a slant. Screen then, but uh, well, I mean, Demarius Thomas has been catching that that standstill where you know just yeah. a quick out to him and then the offensive line go downfield and tackle him. Right. right. Uh, what do you got in this game? Who do you think wins this game? I go New England. New England, right? New England at home, kind of, kind of a given. Celebrating yeah, again. Yeah. I know they start slow, but I still think there's a lot of uncertainty in Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh will compete for wild cards. They'll compete for division. Don't get me wrong, but it's just right now Pittsburgh is still like I don't really like their defense, and there's still questions offensively. What's funny is New England. New England can lose this game, and like nothing will change for them in the division. People will freak out, but nothing will change. Yeah, I mean, like, they've lost on opening night before. They lost to the, the, that Chiefs game that one time. The Kareem Hunt coming out party. Alex Smith went, was running wild and shit. Did they shit. lose last year? Who did they lose to? I feel like something happened last year. People, Can you check that? People they, were freaking out last year about New England until, like, November. I'm like, guys, it's the Patriots. Like, I remember they got off They got off to a slow start. The, the Detroit game was, like, week three. I don't I'm trying to remember. I remember the, the Lions lost. Yeah. And then, they were like really bad on the road. I think they were only like 500 on the road last year. Well, and, they they lost to the, the Titans on the game. road. They, oh man, the Miami game was rough. The Miami, game. Miami game was definitely rough. But so you're going with New England? I gotta go New England. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go with New England too. At home, it's it's gonna be tough for them to uh, tough to them to lose on a on a night like that. Like mm-hmm. you know, what's another game that you like this week, Allen? I'm really fascinated by Rams Panthers. I was a little surprised that wasn't like a 425, but, you know, Giants, Cowboys, the brand, you got to do you it. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> why not? If we're going to put another shitty game on TV, why not put that one? Oh, man, I'm so I'm so fed up with seeing that matchup week one because it's a division game. It's a team that, not for nothing, last couple of years has owned us, yeah. and it's just annoying. That, At like, least on Sunday night, though. The Giants are going to be 0-1 probably again. Right. And now they get Zeke back. They uh Oh, no, they won. They, they beat the Texans last year. The, Oh, and then they lost the next two. Okay, there we go. Okay. Yeah, I remember that Texans. Jacksonville. Jaguars, Detroit. there we go. The, the last, I think, Bortles game. <laughs> yeah, Bortles. I can't remember a good Bortles game after that. They yeah. were just running like crossy routes the whole game. I don't know what New England was doing. Like, Keelan Cole was running wide. Like, 
So what's what's fascinating about that game for you? Because I, I feel like the two biggest storylines for me going into that game is just like the status for the two probably most important players for both teams. What's Cam going to look like and what's Todd Gurley going to look like? Yeah, it's pretty much it when you look at it because obviously there's a lot of talk with how they use Gurley in the playoffs. He was an afterthought at times. He was decoy you could say we you know the fact that cj anderson off the couch was getting more carries them was pretty concerning because you know there was a time where Gurley he, he was leading the league in like every rushing category when you think about it so the fact that he was kind of uh you know had a little bit of a deep he was kind of used as a decoy so because you know sean mcveigh like when he finds something he's gonna just abuse it because that's right. what the best play close to guys like shannon mcdaniels mcveigh when they find something they're just gonna abuse you every week so the fact that he kind of played a little bit more of a decoy role was surprising because I think we always knew Gurley had injury issues, but the fact that, look, this is the playoffs and you're not getting that many carries. Like, that New Orleans game was very alarming. Yeah. Look, then you watch the Super Bowl, it's like, okay, something's wrong here. Shit, man. You know what's funny is I've been on the he's done, he shot bandwagon or hype train, whatever you want to call it, since since the Super Bowl because everything that they've done tells me that there's, there's more to it. Trade up for Henderson. Trade up for Henderson. They offer sheet. Brown, the backup, yeah. right? There hasn't been any confirmation on him. No one's come out and said, like, yeah, he's fine, like, 100%. You know, a report just came out now, right before we started recording, that Sean McVay said that all systems go, that he's not going to be on a snap count. But still, like, is that just, like, smoke now? Is that just kind of to distract because in the playoffs, they Panthers. weren't really talking about it. Playoffs, like, oh, he's good. He's and yo, good. He looked, you were just talking about the matchups or something. Yeah, and he looked he looked great against the Cowboys. He broke, like, a 45-yard run everyone, on, like, a everyone cutback. Everyone looked good against Dallas. Those run fits, oh, my God. They were opening holes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Give me what you think are – what's your biggest storyline going into this game in particular? Because I'm talking about the injuries for those two guys. And, obviously, you know, we didn't you didn't really mention Cam. But, like, Cam, he has uh, shoulder surgery. So that's kind of concerning. Carolina's another team similar to Lanth, and there's a lot of pressure there because you start last year six and two. Like people thought Carolina was going to be a Super Bowl contender, and then that Thursday night game against Pittsburgh was a debacle, and then they just fell apart with Cam Shoulder and just you know North Turner. It was a bit of a controversial hire, but then it looked like it was booming because mm-hmm. that first. But now it's just once again you don't know. And there's always I think been kind of uh, not everyone's always been convinced by Ron Rivera. Like I think Ron Rivera's a good coach, but it just his decision making his time management has always been a concern so but it's it, but it's funny how they turn on him though because like it used to be riverboat ron yeah. and everyone loved that He's shit and then, right remember jack del real that one year the raiders went like 12 and 4 and the Derek car yeah they played uh they played the saints like week one and they went for two to win it and right. it's like oh shit wow balls on him but then when you don't get it it's like yo you're an idiot how are you a head coach so that's just the nature of the beast when you're looking at head coaches or even decisions in general. You know, like I'm of a believer where, you know, the Packers have lost three straight playoff games in which Aaron Rodgers didn't get to touch the ball. Like they've lost in overtime. Right. right? And it's like, yo, if I have an Aaron Rodgers, a Pat Mahomes, uh, a, a Russell, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady kind of quarterback, like, yo, if I'm in, in, in the playoffs and like I would entertain the idea of going for two. Because what happens, like, yo, you're Pat Mahomes, right? You send Patriots go up in the AFC title game. Then you tie it. You send it to OT, but then you don't touch the ball yet. So, like, why not? Mm-hmm. So if, see, if you have full belief in your offense, 
especially your franchise QB. You want to be a legend, I think you go for it. Right. But you could be a legend of both kinds, you know? Like, you could be... <laughs> you just got to be ready to do it. But, yeah, yeah I just think Ron kind of gets criticism. And I just think Carolina, they're another team in the NFC where just the talent's there, but it's just so crowded. There's not a lot of margin for error. So, you look at this week one game against the Rams, Super Bowl contender, like, you kind of have to make a statement. So, and I think especially offensively, they got to do something because uh, they didn't really... They're kind of putting their trust in guys like DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel. So these are receivers that you know they've had a lot of draft capital in. So between them and McCaffrey, they got to deliver because I don't think they could really expect much from Greg Olson at this point. So I I think more pressure is on their offense or on defense because you kind of know at this point to expect from their defense. I think they got to see that offense, especially in a game like this, put up some points. That defensive line for them is going to be elite. Love it, McCoy, Short, Poe, got some on. and Brian Burns. I, I think he's a sleeper defensive rookie of the year possibly. Yeah, and then I, I really like, you know, I went out on a limb and picked Luke Keekley to be Defensive Player of the Year this year. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and I think, I just I mean, shit, from like a betting perspective, he's like 40 to 1 odds. But I also think just the fact that, you know, you're going to have those big boys in front of him occupying so much space and line, uh, linemen aren't going to be able to get freed up to him. rotate too. That's a thing. Yeah. yeah so yeah. I, I think Carolina just, they're another team that they're not really getting a lot of attention, but I think you know, their fan base, they're really expecting something because – you know, that division's always wide open. The NFC South and uh, Carolina, you know, Cam's already 30. I know we talk about quarterback's age is not alone, but Cam's someone that when he starts breaking down, it can be yeah, problematic. It could it could get ugly. Him His decline might be a quick and ugly one. Yeah, so like that's another team. Their window, they kind of have to go for it now because last year they should have made the playoffs. You start 6-2 and two and then you fade like that. Like, who knows, but... I'm ex- yeah, I'm excited about that game. I think that's a big storyline with Cam. And then with the Rams, I guess you know, we should probably touch on golf quickly. Just you know, how's he going to bounce back? Got contract. Your guy got paid. <laughs> I cannot believe the Jared Goff slander at all. It is it is unbelievable to me. I think, yo, I think he's like, I think he's a good quarterback. Is it McVay? Sure, it's McVay. But a lot of quarterbacks are good because of their coordinators. Is that a bad thing? He can execute the system that McVay wants to to run. I think the issue with golf is people want to see him do something with coming back from adversity. Other than the New Orleans game, I can't think of a Rams game where golf had a really like he went through trials and tribulations and bounced back. Like you look at the games against Chicago and Philly last year, like they took some he took some beings that game and he just looked overwhelmed. And you look at the Super Bowl, just looked once again completely overwhelmed. I just think at this point with golf, you want to see those fourth quarter comebacks if they're in the position, of course. And it could be one of those games where he needs to deliver. Because other than the Saints game and NFC Championship, I can't remember a time where golf made. Okay, the Chiefs and Vikings games he delivered as well. But I'm talking about really going through hard adversity, taking a bunch of hits. Other than that Saints game, I can't remember a time where he was really under pressure and delivered. I tweeted out from the Veterans Minimum Twitter, cheap plug, go and follow that. How do you guys feel about Jared Goff as a quarterback? Best comments, get right on air. I guess we could wrap up with these and yeah. tell me what you think, uh, wh- how you feel about this. So, <laughs> Rat Packer 99 Goff is the hot girl at the club. You like what you see, so you buy her a drink because you want to see more. Others may not see it, but you know there is something there. I feel like this is something I would compare Jared Goff to. Look, he looks like Ryan Gosling. That's my man, so I approve of that. <laughs> The other one is Dak Prescott with a surfboard. Sixers Saturdays. People do compare the two. They they say if Dak was in McVay's system, you see Dak put up crazy numbers compared to Scott Linehan, Jason Garrett. Like how would Jared Goff look in that offense? Who knows? But you know, we can't Yo, really this, about it. This might be my favorite one. Sant underscore Casanova. He's like the free version of an app that you have to 
I can't read. Jesus Christ. He's like the free version of an app that you have to buy to get the full deal. I got a notification about uh. something, so it just fucking stunned me. That's a good one, too. Golf is like slightly overcooked pasta. That's not bad. Like I think he's Marsh borderline top. I think he's borderline top ten. I think that's a good place to put. If I had to do rankings, I would I would put him top ten. Okay. I think he's he's easily a top ten quarterback. And and yo like, I I never understood what the big issue was about a quarterback playing in a system that elevates him. I don't think it's. I just think people want to see him come back from adversity. Like the best quarterbacks you see when they take 12, 14 hits, but still put up numbers. Like the issue with golf. Look, you watch those games against Chicago and Philadelphia last year. He looked lost. There was some bad moments, and then the Super Bowl. Look, it's tough. Like, like we bring up Matt Ryan. Like, people still don't really give him the credit he deserves because those nationally televised games. Like, if you don't play well, people just just perception. But I think being in golf's position, the Rams are going to be on television a lot this year. So he's going to have plenty of proof, and if he's good enough, he'll deliver. Antonio Brown has unfollowed Derek Carr on Instagram. Maybe the pettiness will never end. The pettiness will definitely not end with that guy. All right, let's wrap up with what we've been doing every single time. Give out our picks week one. I'm going to try and uh, chart these as best I can. Alan, give us some picks, man. What do you got over there? Uh, I'm looking at the TV screen now. John Gruen looks very aggravated. I'm definitely going Denver. <laughs> <laughs> Denver always, right. even though the game is in Oakland, Denver always starts well. You got to say that. And I think the mattress with just the pass rushers, I think Derek Carr is going to crumble. So I think Denver's a good luck. What else you got? Give uh, us two more. We usually I, give three. I got to go. It's going to sound a little ballsy, but I'm going to go Jets over Bills. I think it's a good matchup for the Jets. I know the Bills might be competitive this year, but I think just offensively with all those weapons, I do think the Jets, especially at home, they'll uh, they'll score enough points. Just B- Buffalo, we have no idea what the offense is going to look like. like. Like who they have. Like I love John Brown, and I know you're a Cole Beasley guy, but how is Josh Allen going to get him the ball? That's a major question that I don't know if could be answered. Yo, so just to troll my Cowboy friends, I would tell them that Cole Beasley's the best wide receiver on their team when they used to have Des Bryant. And <laughs> lo and behold, Cole Beasley outlasted Des Bryant in Dallas. Dude, that's Cole World. Big, that's we we <laughs> became boys in what, like 2013, 2014, and I, you would always say that. I would get very aggravated because there was a time where I thought Des Bryant was a top five receiver, but that's one of your best calls ever. You you called that. <laughs> you did. And I had to Cole troll. Did. I had to troll my guy Ralph. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And our uh, last pick, just because it's easier out. Look, I think the Dolphins might go 0-16 this year. So, And I have, I do think Baltimore, they're very one of the more fascinating teams this year, I think, is Baltimore. And you know Baltimore, they're always going to compete. So I think Ravens over Dolphins pretty much a lot. I know it's a cheap way to go out, but... <sighs> yeah, yeah, no, I, I don't know. That game kind of scares me a little bit. What? Yeah, man. Like, yo, look, you I think... You see that? Go look at the... Everyone, take a minute. Go look at Miami's roster. Go I look know, at the I know. Chart. It's just that... Way, I don't know one offensive lineman. Yeah, way too many people are picking the Ravens, and like they're getting like 90% of the money coming in on them, and it's kind of just a little concerning. It's like close to a seven-point line on you, the road. You worry and, about that Miami humidity? Like, get Lamar. Oh, that's <laughs> a real thing, man. That's a real thing. You saw what happened to the Bears last year. They it went in did, there, and like the, Brock Osweiler got them. But who's on the Dolphins? Like, I don't know who's on the team. They said... I, I saw a tweet. Nate Orchard, their top pass rusher, got released. Top pass rusher. Yeah, I, I, I'd said not seeing Cam Wake there anymore, but Nate Orchard, top pass. I don't know. My, my three picks are my favorite pick of the weekend is the Titans plus five and a half. I think everything is just wild, wild overreaction to Baker Mayfield and the Browns. I don't see it. I know Taylor Lewan is not playing for them, and that might be a little concerning. And that ultimately might be what decides it, mm-hmm. because I do think the Titans have the two best offensive tackles probably in the league combination. <sighs> to take i don't know about that Con- you don't like conklin he's all right but you talking about tackle dude? like eagles 
Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, I take that back. Saints, Teron Armstead, Ryan Ramchick. Yeah. Well, they're... Actually, now now I feel pretty dumb about saying that one. Yeah. Even Dallas, I'm not the biggest Lyle Collins fan, but you know him and Tyron Smith, there's there's some talent out there. I, I think it's upper. I think it's top. It's tier. it's upper echelon, but yeah. I, I wouldn't say elite. Yeah. Yeah. All right, fair yeah, enough. Yeah. But I'm going with the Titans there. Yeah. Uh, then I'm taking the. I usually don't lay a big number like that, but I think Washington's going to be really bad, so I'm taking the Eagles. They're a ten point wow, favorite. I forgot about that one. Um, you you want to you want to laugh? Go look at the wide receivers that the Redskins are throwing out there this weekend. Go look at the starting left guard for another good laugh. It's it's rough. Yeah, I think Eric Flowers is starting <laughs> for them too. Yeah, there you go. Exactly. Fletcher Cox is summer right now, just smirking. What about Malik Jackson too? They got wow. I feel I like told people... you every year Philly just they just get three veterans out of nowhere. Yeah, just like and you know the Sean Revenge game. Oh yeah, <laughs> without a doubt, get him in your lineups. And then my last pick is probably gonna be I like. The uh, I like the Texans, man. Seven points, I think, is a lot for that Ooh. offense. I'm I'm off the Saints. You're gonna come to realize I am off the Saints. This I year. know, but that dome, that dome at, on prime time, it's one of the loudest places, man. It's scary playing that dome, especially on a night game. Yeah, but I saw like golf go into the dome and kind of silence it. All right, yeah. Down ten in in the dome. It's and- just Houston. There's a lot of moving pieces. Who knows? I want to see D Hop and Lattimore. Oh, by the way, Kenny Stills revenge game. If, I don't know if he knows Ooh. the play. I don't know if he knows the playbook, but just give, give him a go around. Yeah, give him a go like two or three go rounds. Especially if Eli Apple's covering up. Salute to Eli Apple. Oh my God, <laughs> that guy played better the moment he got traded. What else is new? Uh, Alan, thank you for joining us. Appreciate uh, it. I think he'll be joining us pretty much for the foreseeable future. Love it, man. I think we've been years talking about this. Finally doing this on a weekly basis. Yeah, so yeah. So Alan will be join us, joining us on here. You guys have heard him in the past. Alan, where can they find you if they want to contact Alan you? underscore Sturk. It's A-double-L-E-N underscore S-T-R-K. At Veterans Minimum is where you can find the Twitter. The Instagram page is going through a transition. The new Instagram page is Veterans Minimum Show. It's at Veterans Minimum Show. Go and check that out. As far as I go, it's at The Lamb Show on all social media outlets and rate review on itunes it goes a long way to building the podcast i would greatly appreciate it if you guys could write something uh and give us a five star frog splash review with that being said we will catch you guys next time